0: Drum roll, please the 2024 Chicago Bears are sticking with Matt Eberflus but have fired Luke Getze and relevant offensive staffers we have no idea what's going to happen with Justin Fields but wow let's react to the news I'm here as always with Nick Whalen we'll break down everything we think about where the Bears stand going into 2024 what these coaching changes mean how furious we are I'm kidding we'll get into that later but it's all coming at you on this episode of Fair Wings. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bear With Us. I'm your host, Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of Bears' blog, right here along with my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. And look, Nick, maybe it's because we're talking about this at 9.33 p.m. on a Wednesday, more than six hours after the presser where the the Bears released their intentions, and that's nine hours after Tom Pellicero broke the news. But look, I don't even think we're being homers. We're just not furious about what's going on. Do you, let's start there. Is part of this because it was about as bears expectation as it could be? Because this news didn't surprise me. What did you think?
1: No, I didn't. Well, we talked about it four weeks, right? It was possible because of the turnaround that they had that they would keep Matt Eberflus. And I think part of it, too, is y'all like we need to be realistic like last year. They stripped this down to this, I mean, not even, we didn't have any studs, right? Like, they they got rid of Roquan. They got rid of Robert Quinn. They got rid of Khalil Mack. They didn't have a first-round pick, right? Like, they got rid of all of the money, and then this year, they started to build, and we had, um, what was it, seven and a half wins was the over-under Robert, and the yes, Bears won seven. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's is that not kind of the expectation? I mean, and he hit that. I know we wanted more. We got three other close wins, but like, holy man, like that's, that's about what you expect. I don't know why it wouldn't be an option to keep him.
0: It's funny to look at this because I don't agree with the direction. Can I start there? Right. Just, just so that we're not going to go total Homer. Right. If, if it's not my money. And I look at the fact that the offensive head coaches make up the overwhelming majority. Not overwhelming. I think this year it's like 9 out of 14. But normally it's like 11 out of 14, 10 out of 14, 12 out of 14 coaches that make the playoffs are offensive oriented. So it feels like the league is pushing you in that direction. And with candidates like Ben Johnson out there on the market, it's easy to talk yourself into the Bears potentially firing Matt Eberflus and hiring the next Kyle Shanahan. That's the way you frame it in your mind. Right, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. the problem is, Nick. If I've seen this, there's a lot of Arthur Smiths out there. Like there's, there is a lot of bad head coaches. Brian Dable, right now, he's not. He doesn't make the bad category immediately. Dable remains to be seen, but it seems like he's a hard guy to work with. And while the offense was able to grind out, believe it or not, behind Tyrod Taylor and Danny or. I do Danny DeVito. It's Tommy DeVito every time. (laughs) Uh, Like
1: they ground out five wins. They're worse than the bears are. (laughs) And how about, how about one of the, one of the more disappointing teams, the NFL this year, Robert, I mean, especially the second half, the Jaguars, Mm -hmm. Doug Peterson. He was the guy with, you have the generational quarterback Mm -hmm. and now you have the offensive guy and Mm -hmm. they fell
0: apart. Worse, it's the same thing that you saw in Philadelphia. So you could argue that you got the retread and you saw the same results. Kind of like hiring Jeff Fisher, but now, like, I don't want to say he's offensive Jeff Fisher. That seems too harsh. But it's more to say that it is easy to look at Matt Eberflus and say it can always get worse. And, hey, I got to tell you guys, uh, three losses of historic fashion, yeah, it can. Like, that's pretty bad. How, How much worse can you get than that? Well, the defense over, what was it, a seven, eight-game stretch? I'm going entirely off the top of my head on this, Nick. I I do not have the data right. But it feels like their 22 interceptions, which were league-leading, all came in, like, one seven-game stretch. And that is insane. That doesn't happen. They went almost eight straight games, because I think they had one in the middle in Arizona where they didn't pick off any passes. But they went, like, six to eight straight games, picking off not, not just not like one pass, Nick, not like two passes they didn't even get fumbled luck they were picking off three and four passes every single week it is outrageous what this bears team did to bad teams and i know this isn't the direction that a lot of bears fans want i gotta tell you i'm riding along with you but if you told me nick that the plan whether it's with justin fields or matt eberflus we'll get into that or like or or a draft pick not mm-hmm. Justin fields or matt eberflus like it <laughs> when we get there I do wonder if you could argue that whether you're developing a rookie or whether you're trying to get fields to take the second step, having this floose defense that so far seems to absolutely shred bad teams. Like if you are middle to bad, if you are worse talent-wise than the Bears are, you are going to get baked. Like Mm -hmm. apparently, nearly anybody's going to turn the ball over. If Mm -hmm. you're better than the Bears, yeah, you may hang like 30 on them. Like You may have a pretty good offensive day. Or in the case of Green Bay, they may make you grind out every single series, but you may grind out a lot of series and mm-hmm. protect the ball, slow it down, blah, 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 blah. When I look at this going forward, it's not the direction, I can't say that enough, that I would have picked, but it still gives the Bears the opportunity to turn into either the Pittsburgh Steelers, a franchise I know a lot of owners want to model themselves out of. after. I know that Bears fans may not, but a lot of owners want to. Or you might become the Buffalo Bills if you draft a rookie quarterback and obviously you get the spark that, say, Josh Allen brings. Not to mention, if you wanted to make an even further direct comparison, I think DJ Moore and Stefan Diggs share a lot of traits. I think that Cole Kmet and Dalton Knox are not dissimilar, not the same. But mm. at this point, frankly, Kmet, Kmet may be better. But anyways, yeah. getting, getting ahead of myself, it's more to say that There are ways this can work. Will they win a Super Bowl like this? Y'all, one team wins the Super Bowl, and it's been repeat teams for so long that we don't have a rubric. We have a stronger rubric on making the Super Bowl and losing than we do making the Super Bowl. Because Mm -hmm. nine of the – or I think it's nine of the last 13-ish Super Bowls, something like that. Nick, they've just been won by the consensus best quarterback in football. So, yeah, I mean, it's that easy, right? Best way to yeah. win a Super Bowl is to get well, the literal best quarterback in football. But good luck displacing Mahomes.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that and Tom Brady kind of ruined the whole. You don't have a big data set there. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with you. Like, we talked about this, you know, last week. Like, what do we want? You know? Yeah, Ben Johnson would be great. Um, Jim Harbaugh. Like, we talked through, uh, you know, guys that we would like. And I understand that, but then you have to also understand the part of like, we don't have all the information y'all. Like, like we're, we're looking at this from like a Madden lens, you know, like, oh, okay, we're going to play Madden, we're going to set up what we want. We don't have all the information, but like Matt Eberflus and John Fox, they're not the same guy, No, you know? And, and so like, we need, like, I, I saw the whole stat. I'm sure you did too. Like, you know, uh. Phil Emery and, you know, and then it was, you know, Ryan Pace and like, you know, them bringing in a quarterback and having a, you know, a lame duck, you know, head coach. Like, why is, why is Matt Eberville now a lame duck coach? His set, he, he more than doubled his wins in year two and now they're going to get even more assets and they were trending in the right direction. Like we were talking about this literally in the last week or two, Robert, I think it came out of your mouth. Where it was like, we're becoming the Lions and like Dan Campbell in this thing, right? And then one loss in Gray Bay and all of a sudden he's a bad head coach and it's, you know, he's a lame duck head coach and we're going nowhere. Like, y'all, like seven wins. Like next year, if it's nine or 10 wins, right? Right. Wild card. And then the year after, you know, you think even more like, like, like realistic expectations. And so I actually have two other examples for you. I know we've talked about Brian Dable and, and Doug Peterson, because like, I think we have this in this head that, that, that the co- coach, no matter what Ben Johnson is going to be great, or this guy is going to be great. We look at the best but, case scenario, right? Yeah, best case. Well, Kellen Moore, you mentioned Kellen. I want Moore. Kyle Shanahan. Don't you yep.
0: like, I want Matt Lafleur. Matt Lafleur is phenomenal. A yeah, lot well, of coaches try to find, or like a lot of orgs try to find that Matt Lafleur. And they, they don't.
1: <laughs> well, well, They want, I want Patrick Mahomes and I want Kyle Shanahan and, you know, and Randy Moss. Like it's, we have to be realistic. Like Kellen Moore was the hot name, right? For a while. And then he got fired in Dallas and Mike McCarthy is an idiot, right? I heard that all over the place. Yes. The chargers were 13th in points scored in 2022. Kellen Moore comes to town. They're 24, 21st in points scored this year. I understand Justin Herbert got hurt for, you know, a few games here. But still, they didn't get better offensively. And I think that was automatically what people thought. Another one, here's a question for you. Brian Billick, great coach, Mm -hmm. right? He's Mm -hmm. in there. I mean, I think people think Hall of Fame. I don't know. Maybe he's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. He was the offensive coordinator for the, again, this is going to go back a few years, Ferris fans, that 1998 Vikings team, right? You had Chris Carter, Mm -hmm. Jake Reed. And the rookie Randy Moss, and it was Randall Cunningham just chucking deep passes, Chuck and and Robert Smith, they're handed off to right. They got upset by the Dirty Bird Falcons, Jamal Anderson, right? Okay, so one of the best offenses in NFL history. Next year, he gets a head coaching gig, right? That's what happens. The hotshot OC gets you do. the head coaching gig. Want that right? offensive mind, baby? Yep. He was the oh, he was the oh, OC. He was the head coach for the Ravens, Robert, for nine years. How many top 10 scoring offenses did they have in those nine years? Oh, man. Three. Zero.
0: Oh, man. I should have known it was a none of the above answer. Like, come on. That's, that's, that's
1: just a, what I looked up to. teacher I, giving I me for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I looked up known. one of them. So, like, again, y'all, I'm not saying Matt Eberflus is the best, but I'm also not saying he's the worst because. Offensive guys could work. They could not work. It's the same debate so, with Caleb Williams could be elite or he could not be great. Like we don't know. But what we do know is the Bears are turning it around. They saw that. And we kind of have to trust what Ryan Poles and them see behind closed doors. And what the players are saying, they like Matt Eberflus. Nick, let's let's go even further beyond that, right?
0: Coaching, the word, the buzzword, right? What is it usually used to say? It's usually used to say, my favorite players are better than this. We are only losing because of this doofus that's running the show, right? Mm-hmm. And I totally get it. I am somebody who talks about how Luke gets these schemes were we're not very good. Like, for instance, one of my favorite plays to talk about, the one that Brian Baldinger, I'm actually shocked because dude's been watching nearly every Bears tape. Uh, may- maybe he likes the Bears. Maybe he likes Bears fans' engagement. On social media platforms. Yeah. I know I do. Like, we, we all, anyways, love you guys. You guys are great. We're a hardcore fan base. And so he tells us, oh, I can't believe, it. I've never seen this play before. Uh, just a little while ago. I love you, Baldy. You are an awesome analyst. But we ran that play like three, four weeks ago. We ran it again. Two more weeks ago. Like well, the what, Trent what Taylor, it? The, the one where they pulled Tanyan in and then they spun the formation. Oh, they spun yeah. Tanyan and uh, got Trent Taylor out in front. And we were like, what is Trent Taylor doing? And I've been like, "Yeah, I mean, we have had Darnell Mooney cracking like all season long. Tyler mm-hmm. Scott has cracked defensive ends. That yep. wasn't the issue. The issue is that it was telegraphed, Nick. The problem mm-hmm. is that Tanyan spun but bef- like just – A fraction of a second before the snap, and Gary picked up on it because why on earth is 80, uh, Trent Taylor, and Robert Tanyan split out wide and motioning in? What is going on here? Oh, he turned? They're running that thing. Just struck upfield. And honestly, you could have had ESB there. No chance. Like, not an edge rusher that good, not with that kind of power. And it's more to say, Nick, that to me, there were all kinds of opportunities that Luke Getze left on the table, and seeing him replaced, that's the big win, isn't it? Yes, I would love better direction going forward. Don't get me wrong, but I can't help and look at all kinds of these teams across the league. Quick segue, Nick, and I mean— There's a common thread between the 49ers, between the minute or what is it, the the 49ers and the I'm thinking good offensive teams, the Cowboys, the Dolphins. Like, who are some other strong offensive teams that come to mind? Uh, In this case, I
1: mean mean, Baltimore is one of the best teams in the league. I mean their offense is is certainly top ten.
0: Yep. So let's
1: go with those four. What's the common thread between them? Um, well, I, I, so you're, I think creativity with your offense. That's a that's sure. a good idea. Yeah. You know what else
0: is a common thread? Uh, they have good players. I mean, it is so easy to overrate the obvious, obvious, obvious impact, Nick, of being a better team and it makes your scheme look better. Doesn't it? And my favorite example, I think one of the most obvious that I, that most people saw was the Miami Dolphins with and without Tyree kill. Now they figured it out because Mike McDaniel is a really good play caller, but also when Tyreek is on the field, that offense is very different from when Tyreek is off the field. And I say this, Nick, because for as much as I absolutely believe coaching is so important, We can also turn football into, yeah, we're only losing because of our stupid coach, like to find one scapegoat. And this Bears team always needed another season to make the talent on the roster better, especially when by the end of the season our roster or our wide receiver room was closer to 2022 than anybody would want to admit, with Darnell Mooney shelved and Chase Claypool nowhere near it. Like, this was supposed to be a three-strong receiver team plus Cole Komet. We ended the season at one wide receiver again, and Tyler Scott as our wide receiver too. So a season of tuning up the talent on it is much needed.
1: Well, right now I'm going through and I'm looking again because he did flip the roster. You know what I mean? Like, that's the other thing. I mean, this whole thing is flipped. So I'm looking through on offense, just guys that are were pre-Ryan Poles, Offensively, you have Mooney, Borum, Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, Cole Komet, Justin Fields, Herbert. Defensively, oh boy, Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson. <laughs> I mean, okay, y'all, you can add in Patrick Scales if you want or Cairo Santos, but I'm not like that. Doesn't matter a whole lot. Like when you flip all of that again, learning the system. You we talk about this all the time. Like it's going to take. Justin Fields, like, he can't learn from another coordinator. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a whole defense to learn to, I mean, you got Edwards and Edmonds, and they actually switched some positions there, right? Edwards was the Mike in Philly. He had to go to to play Will. Like, it's going to take a while to learn all this. So, like, they're still gelling a bit. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's a a key part to this whole coaching part you kind of mentioned before is, like, this is a 4-3 scheme. Before, Chicago was the 34 scheme, right? And I yep. know that's not huge anymore. I think, right, even that to be multiple. But, like, getting guys to fit roles and into to systems, same thing on offense, right? Having, you know, the Mercedes Lewis and the whatever. Like, once you have those guys in place, ah, let's get a whole new head coach and GM. And let's redo the whole thing again. Then you go through the whole cycle again. Like, you, we still haven't seen this come to fruition yet
0: especially when i mean nick i know a lot of people don't want to talk about this but you look at teams like the 49ers everybody talks about how they want to become the 49ers right last year they talked about how they wanted to become the eagles who immediately unbecame the eagles and Ooh. suddenly the best laid foundation in football has cracks in it right now and there's a vibe we'll see if it happens that the plucky barely playoff ready like bucks team might bounce the hallowed once great Eagles team in the first round of the wild card. We will see, right? It would be a hell of a Baker game if we saw it. That's what I
1: picked that my predictions, I have them Dave
0: Canellis and what he's doing right there is to be massively praised. Plus I think anyways, this is not a playoff pod. We can, we can do that at the end uh, just for fun. right? Right. But it's more to say, Nick, that right now we're talking about the Niners. Right. Because the Niners, according to most people, if you boil down what they're saying, are so elite that this dumb dingus seventh round pick is running their offense at an elite level. And first of all, I do think that that mutes how well Brock Purdy's playing. He's simply too good at the position that he is playing to get the disrespect that I think he does from a lot of people. Do I think he's an MVP level player? Nick, I'm not trying to go there right? But plenty of people put him in the lower half of quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'm like, the guy is clearly playing at a top 10 level. You know what Uh, I mean? Yeah. Lower half? Really? It's like Steven Ruiz and so on and so forth, who I think is a really great analyst, but he's pressing a little too much on physical ability there when the game really is trickling towards a more mental player. Uh, At least Mm -hmm. that's what I think. It's a mental position. Always has been. Right? Mm -hmm. But continuing my role, so to speak, the 49ers were not built in a day. Like, everybody talks about becoming the 49ers. Well, the first four years of the 49er tenure was a 6-10 season in 2017. That's when they drafted George Kittle. Then the year after that, due to injuries, but also lack of talent, they went 4-12. and The year after that, I think they appeared in the Super Bowl. They went 13-3, and whatever that was. And then the year after that, right, was the 2020 season where, if again, I'm going entirely off of memory, but if this is the season I think it is, it's when Jimmy tore his ACL immediately in the first game. And then they didn't have, really have any answers at quarterback. And again, they kind of packed it in. And what'd you say they went like
1: another six I, and it, 10 season? Yeah.
0: Yep. So that's four, three losing seasons out of four. Mm-hmm. But because continuity was in place I know it's such a bear's buzzword right now because you keep getting told that continuity is important the year before somebody gets fired so they immediately go back on their word and I get that this thing feels as if it's just another turn on the like the merry-go-round but Nick if you do give this team years to just set right to gel to congeal then you're gonna get fourth year kyler gordon in two years gervon dexter is a rookie right now like he's not supposed to be legit good until 2025 you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying Mm -hmm. that that's when you're hoping gervon dexter is a legit dog like not his rookie year and maybe a little bit in his second year but he's so raw you're gonna give a guy like that time to really flower so that his third and fourth year he's cheap and useful and frankly even then all he's got to do is turn into what roy Robertson Harris. Like, in terms of the level of play he needs to reach, you're not asking him to be Chris Jones. It just feels like a lot of Bears fans are looking at the 49ers who built themselves on second-round picks and fifth-round picks and hitting on a free agent and swinging a trade for Trent Williams and drafting a linebacker that people didn't see coming in Fred Warner. Like, they, they also added, obviously, like, a Rick Armistead, first-round pick Brandon Ayuk. But there was not this slew of six first-round picks that built the 49ers. They still, if memory serves, only have four current first round picks playing for them. I mean, let's not forget, this is the organization that drafted Ruben Foster, right? Who oh, yeah. just didn't play for the 49ers at the well, end of the they, day. They
1: made Jimmy G, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. They paid uh who was it? Um Jarek McKinnon some big money. They brought in Tevin Coleman because Tevin he knew Coleman's him it didn't the work one I out. always
0: remember. Mm -hmm. and there's tons of things that this 49ers org did wrong but at the end of the day they have elite offensive coaching so maybe the Bears will never get that but they also have talent that they built in part because they didn't keep changing things to to exactly the point you're making Nick if you keep shifting up your defensive identity you're going to keep throwing players out that aren't scheme fits and if you keep shifting up your offensive identity you'll never pick a way forward it's part of why Nick I do think they're Probably needs to be a quarterback decision of some kind in 2024 that you're intending to stay stagnant until 2026. Like, continu- if continuity is the yep. big word, yep. we need to pick a direction at quarterback that we think we can ride with for three full years. And I know where that leads me, but that's a separate conversation. I have said a lot and given a lot to you. It just makes me feel like I can't help thinking that I get we're impatient. I'm impatient. I want to win games, but we do keep trying to shortcut things where other orgs, not that you knew it at the time, took a longer road to get where they are, and now here they are. Because at least to me, Nick, it does seem like for as much as we talk about how the draft favors teams that are bad, it's rushing it that keeps you from getting to the top, and the teams that get it or get to the top seem to have an easier time staying there. You know
1: mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh yeah, 100%. Like, actually, I was going through the 49ers roster, and, and you're right. Like There's a couple of things that stand out to me And again, we'll come back to the bears, but so Ayuk they drafted in round one Bosa. They drafted in round one Armstead in round one. And those are the only three first round picks they have starting. They also drafted Javon Kinlaw and he busted because they, because they traded away. I counted him in my four because at least he's on the roster. Yeah. He's there, but yeah, he, he, he didn't do well. But like when you look at their squad, man, they have depth. I mean, Chase Young doesn't start. Randy Gregory, they just signed. Um, Oren Burks, who we know from Green Bay, right? He's a he's a backup who's played some. Logan Ryan is a solid vet safety that they signed. Like, like they got a lot of depth, and to me, like, that was the one thing that was just missing this year from Chicago, which is like, having depth on the interior O-line that, like, isn't trash. Having depth, you know, here at safety or here, what like, I was, I was the DM, like, those are all the things I think that you're going to get in the third fourth year of this rebuild yes not in, round, not in the first thank year, you again, thank
0: you i it, thought you were about
1: to complain about it and i was like nick come on i just no, did not like, thing because <laughs> like that's the thing is you gotta remember the first year they didn't even have a first round pick like they're like trying to put this together and they're like well we got two seconds and we're trying to make this work like that's just how this has to go together and i
0: i've spent I think, my whole uh, life as a bears fan watching the team try to take shortcuts we continue to I, try right, to talk exactly. trading like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's – well. And I mean, that, that's what teams do. Like you look at the bad teams, you look at the Browns, and the bigger issue than – because everybody talks about rotating quarterback. Think about rotating the quarterback as a symptom, right? The problem is that we rush everything. And by mm-hmm. we, I mean the general NFL. The Giants are so quick to declare that they're done. Daniel's their guy, right? But then you look at the Giants' roster, man. Dude, their their best receiver was Wandale Robinson. Coming oh, into this God. season, I had Giants guys look me straight in the eyes and say, well, Dabble's scheme proved that you don't need receivers. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: okay. OK, Carolina, we
0: heard that, you know, in the preseason. That's the thing. It's like you. It, I go back to what I was saying earlier. At the end of the day, you need talent. And the best thing that I am obsessed with about this current Bears state of being is that if you do want to draft a quarterback, you have pick number nine. Where you can either trade back to add more capital, or maybe you add a sick weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we'll talk about him in just a minute, because suddenly, suddenly there is a path to Brock Bowers that I think makes sense. We'll get <laughs> we'll get there later. Um, but the like you have the you have some of the most cap space in the league. Once you get rid of White Hair, once you get rid of Eddie Jackson, right now they're yep. top ten in cap space, and they're gonna continue to get more. As each year goes on, for the first time in now four years, I think it is Nick. They're going to be sub one mil in dead money come or like at yep. least entering the new league year. Don't we love that, right? And so well, you the, look the, at the these resources. On
1: contract finally comes off,
0: right? Oh, they wait. Which one did you
1: pick out? The Danny Trevathan? Danny Trevathan like, comes uh,
0: out. Mario Edwards comes out. Tariq Jimmy Graham. Cohen comes out. Uh, I do think there's a Jimmy Graham year in there that comes out. Yeah. Like It's crazy when you think about the echoes of former Bears that we're still feeling in terms of our resources. Mm-hmm. This is effectively the first legit year of what these Bears want to be. And I do think that the talent level on the roster is going to be such that they they should swing pretty hard, man. Like, if you feel like I do, the league is in a weird place right now where the best teams are really good, the next set of teams are pretty good, and then there's a pretty big gap between them and everybody else. Mm -hmm. You can be the top of that heap, I think, easier than people realize to where maybe you're not competitive with the 49ers. Hopefully, you don't draw them on your schedule, right? And then Mm -hmm. you could try to win 11 games, have people around the league saying, oh, you're overrated. Who'd you really play? Doesn't matter the Steelers are in the playoffs and I would love to be the Steelers, even if for just like, even if that's just part of the stepping stone to
1: become a Super Bowl champion, you know, I think, I think that's who Detroit is, right? Like you think like, Oh, Hey, they're working their way up, but like, they're not a legit contender yet because that defense isn't very good. And they have some holes and Jared Goff's not perfect. Like you can poke holes in that, but I I agree. Like, again, what we're talking about is having realistic expectations. Like instead of, and and you know, you're going to see it in bears Twitter. Like, we'll talk about you again on this pod, but like, okay, go sign Saquon Barkley and then go and get, you know, this guy and spend all of the money. Like let's, let's not do that. And, and Kevin Warren talked about this too. He's like, I want to build the right way instead of trying to build too quickly. And then you fizzle, like you want to build legit GM say this all the time. We're going to build through the draft. But I feel like Ryan Poles is the first one that is actually doing it. And when he does right. sign people, he signs them to good contracts, except for Tremaine Edmonds to be the one that I don't really well, like.
0: that's the but- thing, Nick. There could be a piece of this that's luck. Like, yep. the Bears wanted to build through the draft. Did they expect Davis Mills to hit the biggest pass of his life <laughs> in, at the end Davis of week Post. 22? Oh, no, but he did, and it turned mm-hmm. into DJ Moore. Darnell, right? Uh, potentially Caleb Williams or Drake may or a whole slew of other guys. And that doesn't include Tyreek Stevenson and people keep forgetting about the 2025 six. And that's a sweet one that I can't wait to just roll up to next year and
1: be like, Oh yeah, there's still another pick from this move. Right. You, you, well, you know, actually what, what I, again, the, the trade down scenario that I always think about, you know, from trading back from one, if we did that route and within the package of picks, if you get a second next year, right. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking of like oh yeah, we'll just roll into that draft. And by the time the second round comes around, you have three second round picks. I'll be like, Oh, that would just be amazing. Because be second round picks are like perfect because they're they're that they don't have the fifth-year option, but they still have starting capability, and that's the thing through the draft is like it's surprising once, once you get past the second round. They're role players. They're not really going to be starters right. for you. But, anyways, I, I know, I know, we're Look, diving super far oh away. Oh no,
0: that's what we do on this podcast, and I, I <laughs> hope it's what people like. By the way, if you made it to this point, thank you. Uh, we're up to sixty reviews on Spotify and thirty-three reviews on Apple Podcasts. I am counting. So, if possible, yeah. let's see if we can't get those numbers up even more. Hey, Hit us with some five star reviews. We can't, I can't tell you how much we appreciate it on either both platforms or one platform. We want to grow the podcast as much as we can. Better reviews means more listeners. More listeners means more potential that Nick and I could try to make enough to continue to explain this to our significant others. The whole mm-hmm. reason we would like to push this is just so that we can make you more stuff. But, anyways. Yeah. Getting back to it. Um, Nick, I I look at this Bears roster, and you know, now that we went on that whole spiel, because this is kind of what you're getting at, right? The Bears fan base is exhausted from all the losing. And I blame you, Ryan Pace. Uh, Even going back a little further, I blame you, Phil Emery, because the problem is when you look at the fact that the Bears tore the roster down to the studs, in year three, you should show life, but you still shouldn't be done. We're still rushing it. If we want them to be Mm -hmm. truly done. Now, Bears fan, that doesn't mean they shouldn't make the playoffs. When I say done, I mean Super Bowl caliber roster swing for the big one, right? Stop settling for the seventh seed, right? And go win the division and do so convincingly. And the nice Mm -hmm. thing is the division's door might be open next year. It honestly depends on what the Packers do. And I'm bummed out even saying that right which by the way we could work some Packers game review in if you wanted to depends on if you watched the L22 if i had to guess you didn't want to
1: right i i, wa- I watched um a quarter and a half i think you boss that you you went through any of it i went it was it. it was it was hard of it it was hard to do but so well hold on like i let me talk through a little bit of that so talk through it by the way y'all like i know people that listen to this i feel like are like like the diehards and we love you. they'll they'll resonate more with this because they're, you know, some of them are older than you are, Robert. But when I was a young a young guy, okay, Platteville training camp, right? I would go there all the time, uh, get a bunch of autographs when I was a little kid, and then later on, I just watched. But when I was in high school, I remember waiting for Phil Emery. I was trying to find Phil Emery because my goal was I wanted to be a scout and then I wanted to be a GM. Like I wanted that life. and, I kid you not, I ran into Dick Duron on accident, and I asked him where Phil Emery was because I wanted his job one day. Like, imagine me being a kid, That's like, awesome. not thinking that, and Dick Duron not being offended. But anyway, like, Phil Emery, y'all, has nothing to do with Ryan Poles. And Jay Cutler and Shane Matthews and Kyle Orton and, you know, Cade McNown and whatever Rex Grossman have nothing to do with Justin Fields. Like, we – like we see this move and it's not what we want, and we're like, oh, same old bears, and we just suck. Like Kevin Warren is different. Ryan Poles is different. Like, you can go through this, they're different. It would just be like us scouting, Robert. One of my yeah. biggest issues with scouting right now is when people see the helmet and they're like, Oh, that guy's gonna be bust because he went to Ohio State school. <laughs> oh, Drake may is going to be bad because Mitch Trubisky didn't work out. Like that is the worst type of scouting y'all. It's one it's irrelevant. It does not matter. No two people are, are, are alike except for identical twins. And these, all these people are not okay. And different outcomes can happen. We need to stop with this negativity of like, well, this is how the bears have been. They're always going to be this way. That's not how history works. No, not at all. It's not how history works,
0: but it's how people feel. I do want to identify with yeah. being frustrated. When, when Nick and I talk about being frustrated, when you listen to this point of the podcast and Nick and Robert are still not that mad about what's going on, it's entirely because, to be honest with you, Nick, I'm exhausted of being angry. And this is the first time in my Bears' life that the Bears have not gimped their future for the now, right? We could look at the ba- Matt Berflus decision. And we could see them. Maybe you could make the argument that they did indeed gimp the future for the now because they like the current regime's direction. But like we've kind of talked about, you're still rolling dice that maybe you don't have to. Especially when an interview that the. If, do you mind if I get into this now? Especially oh, when the oh, first say, Bears well, interview choice.
1: Well, well, hold on, hold, you have to you have to go through the guys that we got rid of. I think to, before you go into that. Well, yes. Well, so, so it. But let's let's do it. You want to take us through yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you have. I'm so excited to talk about it, you know I am.
0: <laughs> I know you
1: are. We gotta, gotta. Hey, this is the same thing. We gotta rebuild. We gotta build up. We this. gotta we rebuild gotta, our podcast. We need to do it the right it. way, Robert. Okay. <laughs> all right. Can't the so, future. <laughs> so, all right. The news today, right, with the press conference, everything. Okay. Chicago did get rid of Lugetzi offensive coordinator. Got rid of uh, Jocko. Right, quarterback coach, mm-hmm. running back coach was already let go, as we know. Uh, assistant tight ends coach was gone, and wide receivers coach is gone. So they got rid of, actually, I actually wrote down, Robert, offensive line coach Chris Morgan is back, assistant O-line Luke Steckel is back, Jim Dre tight ends is back, and offensive quality control Zach Cable. Even you get a shout-out, Zach Cable. Look at right? you, Zach. Are all, are all retained. Outside of that, they are bringing in a fresh staff. And that part of that makes me think too, Robert, like if you have just the minimal, a minimal upgrade at offensive coordinator, any of these positions, you think Chicago actually could be in the playoffs right now. So that's the, that's the hope is that they looked and they're like, Hey, listen, this didn't go well. All of the stuff we mentioned, the spacing, the play designs, you said it was telegraphed. That means they agree with us. They knew that. But at that yeah. point, we talked about this. They couldn't make the move. We wanted it during the bye week. Maybe they didn't have the staff to do it, but now they can. And, drumroll, Robert, now, now you get to go off of your thing because I know you're excited.
0: Oh, yes, I will. It's so funny because you look through these positions. And, I mean, Nick, I, far be it from me to act like the grim reaper who can make decisions about guys and their jobs right? But Luke Getze, we know we needed a change. Wide receivers have been bad. Like the only good receivers have been the ones that are talented enough to be good anyways. We're not seeing enough. I think you and I could agree, Nick, Tyler Scott is still playing like he did in Cincinnati. We can smooth him out. We can polish the athletic toolkit that we have. Valus Jones, I think, has enough athleticism that we could teach him to play the position a little better than he does. They may just suck. Like I want to posit that those guys may just not be talented, but But, it's not like Tyke Tolbert and the block or like the way that the receivers have handled their blocking assignments, which is to say not very well, right? Wide receiver screens in particular have been a mess for the last two years. It's not as if Tyke Tolbert has produced results that have made you say, Nick, damn, their wide receiver's coach is killing it. If anything, you could Mm -hmm. say Darnell Mooney's degradation is a monster
1: red flag because coming out of his first two years he was not this but well, so we talked about this on the last pod, robert this is this is the other part of coaching i thought you were going to get to this earlier developing players right you mm-hmm. th- think of braxton jones right develop him a fifth round guy from an fcs school into a left tackle in the nfl that's why chris morgan has a job you right get now to keep your but job you- exactly yeah but you can go through and look like did justin fields make the progression that any of us wanted no quarterback coach gone did the offensive of design use the strengths of the players? Nope, gone. Wide receivers coach, same thing. Like, you have to – Running backs you, had a bad year. Like, yeah, I expected yeah. more out of all
0: three of these running backs. Well, I didn't actually expect any more out of Devonta Foreman. He did exactly what I wanted right. him to. But right. Khalil Herbert got no better in pass pro. Blew multiple assignments in the, the Packers
1: game, most of them being important ones. Roshan Johnson. Yeah. Sorry. But on the other side, Robert, and defense, you can see the development. You you can can see the young guys taking steps, or how these guys maybe didn't work. Weeks one, two, three, but they developed and they gelled and they made it work despite no defensive coordinator. And you're like, Hey, maybe these position coaches know what they're doing. They're making the most out of what they have. Even if we're going to get another edge, we should next year. Like, and that's the coaching part of it that we're excited about that. You're going to get developmental guys and hopefully they'll get new ones.
0: And everybody in bears Twitter right now is talking about how, well, how are the bears going to get any better at offensive coordinator? They got this crappy job with this lame duck coach. We can get to that later. I don't I don't know if he's lame duck. I really don't. But no. anyways, uh, they, they got this lame duck head coach, crappy position. They're committing to fields. Maybe. We don't know. Uh, but who's going to want to come in to Chicago and coach for a year? Well, their first official interview request oh. is with Shane Waldron a like the former seattle head coach or the former seattle offensive coordinator he is a shanahan mind if you're a fan of the play callers series he comes directly from this tree and has done work at los angeles uh with sean mcfay directly so you're getting an acolyte from the shanahan tree for better or for worse but my favorite part about this nick is that he has a two-year play calling history he's got an extensive offensive background this isn't you said uh, is it three years Three-year play-calling
1: history. One, 2022, 2023. Yep.
0: He's got a diverse run game that plays to, or that creates a system. It's not a series. It's not a grab bag of plays, right? It is a cohesive system. That yeah, in Seattle, the offense wasn't perfect, right? If the offense was perfect, he wouldn't be interviewing with the Bears right now for an offensive coordinator job. But it's more to say, Nick, that with an interview like Waldron, I believe the Bears are declaring that in good faith they legitimately attempt to make the offensive coordinator position better than it was last year, even though Matty Perflu is staying. It looks to me like they have now divided the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball, and they are looking to create on purpose a, posi- like a spot in the league where if you are an upstart offensive coordinator that doesn't get the head coaching interviews you want, come to Chicago. We will give you an opportunity to show exactly who you are, and then come next year you can go take those opportunities wherever, and we wish you the best. It is the mm-hmm. Chargers' opportunity with Kellen Moore, and it's why Kellen Moore is not looked at as well as he once was because, well, now we saw what he probably is and what he isn't. My favorite part mm-hmm. about this, though, is that, again, it would be experience. It would be a guy who that has worked with a quarterback not dissimilar from Justin Fields, but moreover, you get an offensive coordinator that wasn't handed a wonderkind quarterback, right? Like the offense, yeah. what really do we know about Ken Dorsey is kind of what I'm going at, right? Yeah. But even he could easily be on the table for if the Bears want to go in that direction. I can't help but look at this and say, if you told me the Bears, like there were Bears fans not long ago that wanted Shane Waldron as a potential head coach, Nick. Yes. So yes. seeing the Bears declare that he is going to be at least their first interview option. I wouldn't be surprised if they're going really hard after him. I mean,
1: this is. Well, that, that's how the tweet looks though. So like Tom Pellisaro broke this y'all. And mm-hmm. also me and Robert were talking for a few minutes before the pod when this tweet came out and Robert was like, oh my gosh, get your phone. Go look at Twitter. Like he was like so pumped. Every He was, it's- he was probably at a nine. And I think like, like a touchdown pass from Justin Fields, DJ Moore to like, you know, on, on that. Penalty against Detroit was probably a 10. Like he was at a nine, I think. And that's because Nick, look, I'm gonna be very blunt with you guys. I haven't studied
0: Waldron's scheme extensively. When I watch them, they look like they're well coordinated, but that's the broadcast. I know that. It's more this idea that I have watched Bears fans pine for this guy on Reddit, on Twitter, etc. And the Bears made it plain that they want to interview him. They're not trying to interview Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator from Kentucky like and pull him up from college they're not trying to interview Clint kubiak they're not bringing in i mean maybe maybe they will interview like a cliff kingsbury right to me there is something nick about the first interview that they are setting is a bonafide offensive coordinator that kind of got caught in the wash in peter like in what happened in
1: seattle you know what i mean like but the the wording of it is what's what's nice here so mm -hmm. he's like Okay, the Bears have requested an interview with Seattle Office Coordinator Shane Waldron for their OC job per source. With Pete Carroll out, Seattle's assistants are now available, and Chicago is moving quickly and making a change today. And, and that tells you right there, y'all, how serious this is and how they're not going for, well, who can they find? They're like, hey, this is the the Jim Harbaugh of potential OC candidates, and they're going right for him. And let me give you a little background, Robert, since I know you said you watched his All-22, but just so – and again, this is for me, too. I didn't know, so I pulled it up on Wikipedia, the always-trusted source. And here is some of his background. So he started as an operations intern with the Patriots for a few years, I think three years. Then he followed Charlie Weiss to Notre Dame. He was a GA there for three years, came back to the Patriots, for two years as offensive offensive quality control and then tight ends. Then he left, did some other jobs, other places like college, etc. Then was Washington offensive quality control. Then he's been with the Rams, as you said, from 2017 to 2022, and it was tight ends, passing game coordinator, passing game coordinator QBs, passing game coordinator, and then Seattle for three years as OC. Now you look through there, two-time Super Bowl champion, working with New England, right? I don't know. Pretty good system when Brady was there, maybe, y'all, right? Then you go Washington, offensive quality control. Now, I think was that, I'm trying to think of 2016 Washington, if that's when all those guys were there or not. Was that LaFleur and McVeigh and Shanahan or no? It could be. Uh, We'd have to go back and look, but it wouldn't surprise me. And Mike McDaniel. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, and then and then Rams, obviously that's good, right, for a big stretch. And then right. Seattle, which again, Pete Carroll, a good stretch. So like that's a good umbrella, not like just one time it was good with one coach. You know, and right. he he rode, you know, Aaron Rodgers's tail to no C job. So that's a, that's a Luke reference. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, so I I think that this is. um, I just love the aggressiveness of it, Robert. I do too. And
0: I we can't talk too much about Waldron because all they've done is request an interview for crying out loud. Like, he's right. not the new Bears coach. There's going to be – there will be a whole podcast on that when that comes. Right? right. But it to me, again, it is a nice declaration of good faith, so to speak. And it is a mm-hmm. reminder that when you look around the league, yeah, I mean, the defensive head coach thing, it's not like, – it is not my preference. I can't say that enough. There are blueprints where it can work. And maybe it'll leave us like frustrated Seattle fans. Hopefully, like frustrated Seattle fans, it'll give us, a, what, two Super Bowls? Like one Super Bowl championship and one su- er, and a Super Bowl visit? Like that would obviously be great if somehow Floose turned into Pete Carroll. I doubt it. But it's, you know, never say never, I guess.
1: He's, but Earls more energy than Flus though. I can't see Flus being on that level of energy. Flus
0: would be, so I can see it now, the ringer riding one of those, like, sty- they give a stylized headline of, like, Flus staring off into the distance. And they would try to make him out to be, like, the defensive analytics king. You know what I'm saying? Like, because he does seem like he is, look, I am going to legitimately compliment Flus here. When Fleuse was asked about would he, take Ro- or would he have taken Roquan Smith where the Colts took Indianapolis, I still remember his quote was, at five? And, uh, and it, like an off-ball linebacker at five? Uh, and so it's not as if Floose is foreign to the concept of value. And mm-hmm. just today, he was talking about it. He was saying the same things I do. Like, you can never get enough DBs. You can never yep, get enough I pass rushers. That. Like yes. it's, it's not like Floose's mind is in the wrong place. I want to see them finish games too. Like the problem is, can I just can I just come right out and say it, Nick? A defensive head coach or like Bears fans who don't like Matt Eberflus are going to point to the fact that the defense keeps collapsing, giving up points in the fourth quarter. Right. That stuff happens. Like in the NFL, games have a bad tendency to get close at the end. In the offense or in the fourth quarter, the Bears' offense has gone into the it's basically gone into the locker room like a quarter early. Right?
1: You you mean like conservative, like DJ Moore's been saying in interviews?
0: Right. But that's, and that's probably partially a head coaching edict. It wouldn't surprise me if part of the reason that they're bringing in Waldron is because where Waldron's really excelled is the run game. I don't know why this is a thing in these Shanahan guy systems, because Mike McDaniel talked about it too on the play callers. But that's, if you can build a really strong run scheme, then theoretically you are better equipped to play from ahead. You can run into the same problem that Kyle Shanahan has, where I think, what is he? 0 for 38 on comebacks in the fourth quarter yeah, when he enters true. the quarterback down two scores because mm-hmm. the run game runs you out a time in those settings. But you can obviously finish games very similar to the 49ers if you've got a comprehensive run game that lets you pick up first downs like normal when you're in, it, it basically stops you, Nick, As I'm sure you already know, I'm not talking to you, right? I know it makes your run, run pass series. When you're trying to close the game out your normal offense, instead of such an obvious series of runs that you're going to clamp up and die.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I, but I mean, as a, as an offensive guy, as an OC before, like it matters so much more of how you married the two together. Yes. You know, because, and, and you have to have that aggressiveness to you to take shots down the field. But you want it to look like outside zone. You want it to look like duo, and then that's the play action off of it. Because like, you know, you had talked about the telegraphed play, right? Where Sean Gary shot through. Yep. The smart OC would have known that Gary would do that, and it would have a play where the spin would happen, but it would be a sh- inside run inside of Gary. You know, something like play that of or a screen. Just in front of there, where a tight end turns around, like like that. That's that's the layering that you need to do. And I'll tell you, as a as an OC before, like it's fun when you can do that, and you're and then you're oh, in yeah. their head. They're just like, oh, I don't even know what to do. And that's when you can get defensive players to think instead of react, and then you're going to win a lot of ball games. So and um, I can't I, help but I'm think ex- Yeah, good.
0: I I can't help but think that another thing that should be fun about this Bears setup set is that. So look my opinion, there are probably 25 fan, fan bases out there that think that they have the worst offensive coordinator in the league, right? It's going to follow the same rule as the offensive line, right? When you're, when you're not succeeding, who are you going to blame? Well, well, it couldn't be the players,
1: well, right? But, but, also, but also, I think 32 fan bases think they don't have enough weapons either.
0: Well, sure, right? A- absolutely, but also, a lot of fan bases don't think about weapons. I like my guys. Tyler Scott's good. Right? Like that kind of attitude, you know? Robert Tanya can play. He's not he's not a shell of himself. Like, it's, it's the play caller's fault. So you're going to see plenty of Seattle fans out there that have issues with Shane Waldron, but you look at their PFF grades, for instance, they ended up with the 11th best offensive football. They ended up with the, let me see, what is this? The 10th best passing grade in football. They ended up with the 6th best receiving grade in football. They ended up with the 10th best running grade in football, and they're tanked by their offensive line. So I couldn't tell you because I don't know how talented that Seattle offensive line is supposed to be, but I will tell you, Nick, for better or for worse, PFF grades, like the players get a boon when they're put in position to succeed and they just succeed, Mm -hmm. you know, like PFF grades don't take into account ease of assignment at all. And a lot of the worst graded players are often the ones that are left out to die one way or another, right? So the fact that the Bear, that you see the Seattle Seahawks grading in these categories, I mean, definitely to use receiver as an example that I know, it's not as if Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are an undangerous receiving group. So I completely understand why they've got solid marks there. But also to me, you look at everybody but DJ Moore on the Bears and the fact that the Seattle Seahawks have obviously got some guys, at least in PFF's opinion, that have done a little more than the reserve weapons have for Chicago tells me that there are plenty of guys being put in uh, put in position to succeed and all I can hope for is an offensive coordinator that again gets us better than where we were right and to be honest with you Nick just just saying this I don't really care about Liam Cohen's opinion on Justin Fields versus Caleb Williams but if you bring in somebody that has some NFL experience and they get to make a decision it's not the same as Ben Johnson coming in and picking his direction, but at least I'm happy that there's a voice that's had some time in the NFL to pick this thing out. You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, so I think that could be a good segue to talking about where we've been, because you talked about some stats from Seattle, and Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of stats. Because again, this is is the end of the year. You know, how how, how did Chicago do as an offensive team? I have their PFF rankings for the players, and then I have the same for defense. I think it could be a good little segue into some of that so chicago was the 20 and again i'm using pro football reference y'all because i know we can use lots of stuff dvoa and all that stuff they have uh an expected points added so chicago was the 23rd overall offense 18th most points scored now here's something interesting robert 18th in points scored 13th in points per drive so right there if they got more drives in They would be way, way higher in terms of their efficiency, which is good. Mm -hmm. Um, 20th in yards, 22nd in yards per place. That's down. That's not as good. 21st in turnovers. I think that's expected. Um, Tied for 24th in net yards gained per pass attempt. Mm -hmm. Sixth in rushing. um, Offense for EPA, second in yards gained. Sixth in yards per attempt tied for 18th in penalties committed by the team and accepted. Now that's an improvement because wasn't it last year, they were really high in penalties. I think so. I
0: mean, I've always seen penalties as something that comes and goes.
1: Right. Right. But I, well, I just thought like his teams in the past were really low and like last year was high. But anyways, um, they're 12th in percentage of drives ending with a score. Mm -hmm. 20th in percent of drives ending in a turnover expected. Um, Let's see here. 28th in uh, interception percentage, 27th in overall passing offense, 21st in touchdown percentage. And again, like interception percentage and touchdown percentage, y'all, that's the amount of touchdowns you have and then also pass attempts. So so it's really dependent on your efficiency there. Uh, Speaking of efficiency, completion percentage, 24th. Sack percentage, 26th, not good. Third down percentage, 12th. Fourth down percentage, tied for 16th. Uh, red zone percentage again, red zone trips turned into touchdowns, six or I'm sorry, thirteenth. And then starting field position was ninth. Anything stand out there for you, Robert? You know, it's funny when you look at the season totals, right?
0: Because I bet you, and look, I, I think the following is about to be true for all kinds of teams. After all, like if you split the if you split the Bears' results between their their results against teams with winning records and their results against teams with losing records, I think that they would be, like the offense in particular, fired against bad teams and tended to sputter pretty hard against solid defenses. Now, that's just my eye test speaking, right? Because you talk about the red zone thing. Man, Arizona was not keeping us out of the red zone. Like if we got to the 20, we were getting in, no question, right? Uh, Compare that to the Packers game where you almost knew the moment that the first play didn't go well at the 15, they weren't scoring. Like, and it was a frustrating experience, especially against the Joe Barry defense that's not that hard to pass on if you just throw the ball, right? But that's a whole separate question. I mean, what you're talking about makes total sense. Like, Justin Fields Mm -hmm. in particular is going to be a plus rusher and maybe a negative on your passing game, at least from the the efficiency perspective. It's Mm -hmm. the end of the season. I don't think that Fields finished at the level that either of us wanted him to. I don't think that he's some terrible quarterback as the way that he's being made out to be. Right, the truth mm-hmm. is somewhere in the middle. Let's start there. Do you think that's fair?
1: No, I, I think that's fair. Do you, do you? I can go through their his PFF grade and the other guys if you want to no. know.
0: If you do, we want to pivot all the way away from offense and into Justin Fields because I'm happy to just basically I was trying to just draw a circle around Fields and be like, we'll get there later, right? Yeah, but if you want, to. yeah, sure. At least for a hot moment, right? But yeah. so it's nice to see that the Bears have enough talent to score well in a lot of these categories, like you're talking about. I mean, when they were on, they were on. Mm -hmm. You look at Justin Fields' statistics, I think he finished with, what, 17 touchdowns on the year? Something like that? It is hilarious to look at the fact that eight of those really did come in two games. And in Mm -hmm. those games, the Bears scored like crazy. Like, they wouldn't just output good offensive days. They would output the offensive days that get you a high points-per-game average. And then we'd have a couple others that didn't go so well. but. Overall, I actually think, Nick, that the offensive foundation is better than I think a lot of Bears fans think it is from a talent perspective. But having a better coordinator would weaponize a lot of it, like, in a much better fashion. And I think that they need, what do you think, three or four key acquisitions in terms of solid free agents plus some top-end talent to really take them over the top and get them in that top 10. It's not hard to be top 18. It is definitely hard to be top ten. That middle pack yes. is a war zone. You know what yep. I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think so for sure. Because I mean, you can look at well, like here, like I I don't have to go through all of the PFF grades. I mean, if you want me to, let me know. But like, you look at uh, wide receiver. Okay, so DJ Moore finished ninth, and again, this is by their position. But Mooney was 107, and Tyler Scott was 114. Like, there's 32 teams. Okay, so 32 teams have three receivers okay you go or i'm sorry 31 teams you think they would have three receivers go through before chicago would have their second one come up like that's pathetic you go through center right obviously i have talked about lucas patrick a lot throughout this podcast sorry lucas if you listen sorry lucas 32nd out of 37 centers like not acceptable um we need better from nate davis i don't even know if it's like I think he gets the, another shot next year but you bring competition he finished 61st out of 81 guards
0: I said I think we said this on the last podcast that we did and if not I'll repeat myself and I'm happy to but mm. Nate Davis you saw flashes of proper technique at, like Lucas Patrick was just a matter of getting bullied right yeah. like if yeah. if he survived he was surviving plays there were a lot of reps that Nate Davis flat won against all kinds of different players, but he was so inconsistent because when he lost, he took massive losses that if you felt like I did, Nick, every week I watched the tape, I was like, yeah, Nate, Nate had a bad game, but he should turn it around next week. And and we just finished the season. He didn't.
1: Right. So, And and, and so like, also like, is that scheme too? Cause like he was really successful in his own scheme previous. Like that, that's what has my wheels turning. Cause like, so like to answer your question, like center, Wide receiver two, at least maybe wide receiver three, but then also like maybe guard like and that's without even talking quarterback,
0: right? I think personally, I think that you want a wide receiver two in free agency that can flex to the three. Like I keep using the name Tyler Boyd because I think it's it helps show what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'd love Michael Pittman. Right. But like, let's get there when we get there. You know, I'm this, starting this, at Tyler.
1: This is the realistic part, right? This mm-hmm. is the building
0: blocks part. Exactly. Cause if you get Tyler Boyd and then you draft a receiver, let's say it's Roma Dunze. Let's say that I don't spend all off season talking about how the bears are going to add a receiver. And then they don't in the first round, they add him in the second round, which is totally possible. right?
1: <laughs> I, I, but I but listen y'all like, and I've talked too about double dipping. Like, I like a lot of the receivers in this class. Holy buckets. Even, okay, a lot of us probably watch the national championship game. Mm-hmm. Even when you go to Washington, you talk about McMillan and Polk. Those two guys can ball. You get them in day two. Like, you add them in. You add Keen Coleman in. You add in Xavier Leggett. Like, there's a lot of receivers. Burton from uh, Bama. I was going to mm-hmm. say Georgia. He was there as well. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of talented receivers.
0: A lot of talented receivers. I mean, if you told me that the Bears came away with, uh, like, key, the one that I keep key- seeing, because analytics have said that he did not have a great year, uh, as well as a couple other guys, is I do wonder if the NFL is basically going to slide Keon Coleman into the second round, to which I'd be like, ha sure, <laughs> like, let him. I- I'll take you know who
1: he reminds me of a little bit. Tell me. A guy that we just talked about, DK Metcalf.
0: I, I see AJ a little more. Like now, granted, that's a lofty comparison. Both are, right? Yeah. But I don't think a, or I don't think Keon has the foot speed that DK does. But the physicality, man, that's hard to teach. Anyways, right. it's turning into a draft podcast. The point is, is that <laughs> if they if they get a veteran center, and I think they do need like a swing guard, like a proper swing yes. guard, right? Yes. Because if they get somebody that can play a little center, little right, little left, then they should be. They basically need the Tevin Jenkins insurance plan that is also the if Nate is awful again, we need to bench him plan, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the kind of guy that you can grab there. I wouldn't surprise me if we then see, let's see, so we've got the swing guard, we've got a wide receiver two, a tight end two could be on the table. We talked about Waldron earlier. He loses a lot of heavy personnel. Yeah. So if you are going to play 45%, 45% in your, uh, what is it, like 12 personnel, well, okay, fine, Nick. Okay, fine. I guess Bowers makes
1: sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, for well, me, I mean, yeah, I, I would be mad at it, and but I think what we're talking about too is is that's just in terms of like the high end guys. Like I, I want. We talked about this. Like the building blocks. Like you yes. want the depth. I want developmental guard that we like. I would like a developmental tight end. Can we for, please get
0: a young tight end? Yes, like I, I went one so end. bad last year, but. It's Mm -hmm. all to say that the Bears have an entire draft class to work this out. Sans the Feeney pick. RIP. I I don't think that was worth it. But that's. uh,
1: No, not at all. Well, not not when I saw some low snaps in like the only other game that he played last week.
0: Apparently, Chris Morgan just doesn't want the centers to snap well, because we see that all the time. One other thing I do want to mention while we're on the topic of draft and center. If the Bears do draft a center, which would be neat. uh, Don't expect him to be good fast. It just doesn't happen traditionally no. speaking, I think that if they do draft like a Cedric Van Pran, they need to bring him in to be a GC, right? Like to be that interior swing mm-hmm. guard. For instance, it would be nice if he started. It would be great if he beat out a veteran. But I think you got to get a veteran now because rookie or Justin, you want somebody that can step in and play and at least play at a serviceable level.
1: Well well we we talked about this early early in the in the year, but for those that missed this, so the center Everyone talked about Chicago drafting John Michael Schmitz, right? Minnesota. You have to get him in round two. He's going to fix everything. He finished 37 out of 37 centers, according to PFF by a margin, Robert, by 2.9 from the 36th guy. That sucks. Bad, bad.
0: That is, that is not great, especially because it fits my agenda of needing athletic guys. Uh, <laughs> because Joe
1: Tibman, Joe Tittman, though, finished 20 seconds. So that if you want it, that, one, that, 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 that totally fits
0: what <laughs> I'm going after. And we
1: did not plan that one. Man. So I, I also think like if we want to, um, I could do defense quick. Cause then we can talk about that and then we can roll into your, your fields conversation. Well, we should totally stick to
0: offense. If only just because of the main thing that I know I'm looking at, like we can get to defense in a hot minute, but everybody knows that the defense got pretty good by the end of the year, right? It's that offense that I think the cool thing about everything that you outlined is that the bones are here for something that is just not terrible. You add some key pieces and you might actually push them over the top a little bit. You talk about the yards per play, the biggest problem, this offense had is that it was so feast or famine. Did you feel that way on a play to play basis? If they couldn't create an explosive on the drive, then you did stall out very quickly.
1: It was a, like, yeah, you were still 22nd in yards per play, Robert. Like that's the thing with a, again, bad OC We I think we can say that. I mean, whatever you want to grade that as, is that's bottom five, bottom 10, whatever <clears throat> bad OC. You have a bad center. And basically, no wide receiver tune. There were 22nd yards per play. Like, the, the potential is there, man. Not to mention, Nick. Look, uh, just blowing it out
0: or like going after this, right? You do have to kind of pick a lane here. Where if you don't think Justin Fields is very good, well, they were still 13th or 12th in points per drive, right? If you if you do think Justin Fields is really good, well, they were like they were 22nd in yards per play, and you probably think that Luke Getzey is really that terrible and that bringing in a new offensive coordinator is just going to it's just going to make them so good. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle on everything, right? Like on on everything. But I look at this Bears team and like you're talking about Nick, it's funny to me that DJ begged them to be more explosive. I thought they tried to be too explosive against the Packers. I can't help but see that the biggest problem they have is that when they can't hit the slot fade down the sideline because Justin feels like it's covered, they don't have an option that moves no. the chains. You know what I mean?
1: Give me an under. Give me a slant. Give me something like that.
0: And and sometimes it's kind of there, but we have an issue throwing it. Like I know that there was one play in particular where Justin Fields looks down the barrel of a slot fade to mm, to Valis that I think he could throw. But that doesn't really matter. And then on the other side of the concept, you've got a curl that's poorly spaced with a dig behind it. The what did you call it? The whirl concept. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and DJ's open on it. We don't throw it. We end up taking a sack. Would have been a tough play. Don't let me, don't let me tell you that it's easy. But it's more to say, Nick, that there's this constant balance, right, between are we going to adjust so hard to fields wanting to throw deep that we don't allow ourselves to have pressure release answers yeah. that get us out of these sacks, five sacks in 25 dropbacks. And that's being generous on how many dropbacks there were because that includes some QB draws. It's too many sacks you are going mm-hmm. to lose that game probably. Mm-hmm. But so yeah. getting beyond did that. Did you
1: yeah? – So I I've, I've actually have a question for you, and this is just – again, people are listening, but I have a question for you. Right. So, so was that the play when they had the bunch and Trent Taylor did the the pivot route and came back inside? And not Fields that got one. Zacked?
0: Not that one specifically. No, that one you, was not Fields at all, I didn't okay. think.
1: Did, now, I had someone, again, a Packers fan, trying to tell me on Twitter that that was Fields' fault because initially he – Again, took a screenshot and says, "Well, you should throw this outside to Trent Taylor." I'm like, "He's coming back inside." Then he comes back inside. He's like, "Well, you should have threw it with anticipation." I'm like, eh, "I so, think I think Wyatt beat Jenkins too quickly, right?" I grade every quarterback
0: on their curve, right? For better or for worse, Nick, I'm asking Justin Fields to give me some low A anticipation in some of these cases. Like for anybody out there, I'm not asking Justin Fields to be Brock Purdy. He's not. Like he's nope. he's not Brock. There are things that he's going to do. For instance, Nick, to use an example criticism, I want Justin Fields to throw the 50-50 ball more. Like, I know you can. Your placement is good. This is what you're good at. If you see a thing or if you see a slot fade that you think even maybe I can fit that in, just throw it. Because the part where we hang on the read and then try to get to read number two, we're on to read number two a little bit late. We didn't move in the pocket. Braxton took a slow L with dignity, but it's still an L, and we eat a sack. Man, that stuff doesn't play, if you mm-hmm. ask me. Like, Purdy might not have the arm to throw that specific slot fade. You do. Play in your yeah, wheelhouse. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? For sure, yeah. But yeah. getting back to it, you would have to be Purdy, and you'd have to loft the anticipation ball to get it to Trent Taylor, and if you did, the linebacker picks it off. Like the one on the inside that's, yeah, yeah. that Trent would be whipping into. The bigger uh-huh. problem there is that the Bears made it very plain that they were running a half-field concept, and so the Packers just stuffed an extra guy over there and had everything slotted. Like that one was just a breakdown.
1: It's it's so so
0: predictable, man. So um, which, which goes back into the whole crux of the issue, that yeah. the, the Bears did such a good job, I think. The Bears bullied teams that were worse than them. You look at Atlanta. You look at... Uh, Arizona. You look at Detroit. Why is he bringing up Detroit? They're better than the Bears. Not on offense. They weren't like the Bears had talent that was matching up really well with everything that Detroit could throw at them. The Browns game and games like it. They they didn't have creative answers, whether at the quarterback position, but more realistically at the offensive coordinator position to beat the fact that they were losing nearly every matchup that they had. Right. And you do have to be able to score more than three points. If you want to win in the NFL, but mm-hmm. or at least let's call it three earned points, right? Cause they earned, they scored 10 on offense, but mm-hmm. all of this role to say, Nick, that the bears are in a funny position where we're coming off of a loss. that's going to piss everybody off. We lost to the wrong team and we lost badly to them. So everybody's going to feel like this team is no better than it was last year. They are much better than oh they were gosh. last year. When Ye- they're even just offensively.
1: offensively. Even just offensively, they're so much better than they were. Like people need to like realize that how how bad 2022 was. And to realize that, like, okay, Darnell Wright was 54th out of all offensive tackles. Okay. So not great, not bad. That's better than the Larry Borum and I can't even remember his name, Robert. Who's the guy he's in New England now? Who's their right tackle last year? Oh gosh, the one in New England? Yes, he, well, he went there uh, afterwards. We signed him. Like right, I'm struggling right- so bad. Is it oh, not Isaiah Win or is he See, left not- tackle? He he played right. See, now this is gonna bug me. But anyways, the bear. I'll I'll, I'll find it and then we'll go through. But the the Bears have to have um, a couple of pieces, y'all. And it's easily, easily an average offense. Uh, the name is Riley Reef. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. Really? But anyway, I want to get to the defense because the defense obviously had some progress. So let's go through that quickly. And if we want to have the fields versus rookie debate at the end, we can. Mm -hmm. So, again, year in review, y'all. This is pro football reference. Expected points added. Chicago finished 16th overall, which I know people are like, really? That low? You have to remember the first four weeks of the Mm -hmm. year were so bad. So bad. Remember? The Kansas City game, they put 40 on. I mean, it it was bad. Um, So 16th overall, 20th in points allowed, 17th in points per drive, 12th in yards allowed, and then uh, tied for 17th in yards allowed per play. Uh, Tied for 5th in takeaways. I think that one's expected. Tied for 16th in net yards gained per pass attempt. 7th in rush defense but first in rushing yards gained. So efficiency was a little down, but they gave up the least amount of rushing yards, which Robert, I have to pause and stop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unbelievable, man. We, we sat here before the season started and we were worried people were just going to run on us so much that it was going to m- take away from everything and not give the Bears a chance. And they finished first in least amount of rushing yards and they had a losing record. So you'd think teams would run on them more being up. Well, I'm not
0: about to say that they set a record, Nick, but you're absolutely right. The main reason that we thought that they were going to get run on is because we uh, attributed or we assumed that something very normal would happen called injury, and it never did. Like, if there's one thing that I just want to prepare Bears fans for, because it's, it's pro- probably going to happen next year. Not that the whole team's going to get hurt, but <laughs> somebody will miss time, Nick. And in right. this case, Billings played every game and Justin Jones played every game. And Montez Sweat played every game that he was a bear. And Gervon Dexter did not miss a game. And Zach Pickens did not miss a game. The only guy who missed time was Yannick Ngakwe, who was invisible enough that we forgot he was there in the first place, Like, which is its own problem, right? Yeah. But it's more to say that at least, Nick, what I think was wild looking at this D-line, especially near the end of the year, Matt Eberflus said in his presser, wow, you know, I thought the defensive line played really well. And it's like, yeah, I mean... You've got an offensive line, which probably has two backups on it, going up against a defensive line that never lost a starter. Like, that is an advantage. I mean, mean,
1: they are low-end starters, though, we're being honest. Oh, I know. I know.
0: I'm not trying to prop our guys up too much. I'm more saying, Nick, that there is just the littlest bit of improvement. I'm just going to call it improvement fallacy. I'm sure it has another name for it, right? Where it's like the fact that our guys just remained healthy meant yeah. that any time they went up against a legit backup, like we got in Cleveland, Montez Sweat is going to have a showcase game.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, actually, I just pulled this up from from last year. Chicago was f- 31st in rushing yards allowed last year, and their first this year. That's just amazing, man. <laughs> Thank you, 97. All right, um, what? Thank you, 97. Yeah, oh, my gosh. I'm so glad Andrew Billings is on this team. Uh, yards uh, per carry tied for fourth. Penalties. This was interesting. Penalties committed by Chicago, I think this is defensively, and accepted, first. Mm -hmm. I was shocked.
0: It was, um, I think it was especially early in the season, they ate a couple of big DPI calls, right? Plus, they kept giving up, like, illegal touching, uh, defensive holding. Again, it was all, like, stuffed up in the front of the year, right? Hmm. But that is weird. You're saying that they're first,
1: as in least? Least, yeah. Least amount of penalty yards. Yeah, because as Her I was talking through community. that,
0: I was like, "Wow, I'm full of I'm full of you know what," because I don't remember that happening. Like yeah. as the year went on, they they only took five yard penalties now and again, but most of their early completions, I, they just gave up completions. You know, well,
1: two two weeks ago, Justin Jones single handedly was trying to up this, so we didn't finish first. <laughs> and he think. couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah Um uh, percentage no of face percentage. masks
0: think about it like no face yeah. masks no head-to-head penalties like yeah. no they really didn't take many roughing the passers because they really didn't get to the passer well, early yeah, in the year
1: we'll, yeah we'll get to that yeah <laughs> we'll get to that one yeah i mean dpis i mean stevenson cleaned up more of those as the year mm-hmm. went on and you got healthier too in the secondary so you think like the better players didn't commit as many penalties i don't know anyways it's a good it's thing it's interesting mm-hmm. yeah um, percentage of drives ending in a score 14th percentage of drives ending in an offensive turnover third, uh, blitz percentage. So amount of times they blitz tied for 21st expected percentage of dropbacks that ended in a hurry night tied for 19th. And then when you add in hurry, knockdowns and sacks, it's right? pressures, right? That, right? Pressures. Yep. Tied for 25th, which is too low.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Total missed tackles 23rd. That's not good. No. Pass defense was 24th QB passer rating allowed tied for 12th. That's not bad. Oh, this is, I, I, I expanded on this stat, Robert, just because I, I knew you'd probably ask. So percentage of time sacked when attempting to pass. So the amount of time it took you to sack a quarterback. Huh. Okay. They were 32nd dead last. That's not great. Okay. So they I were. Love that
0: stat though, that's a cool stat.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was four point six. Okay, and I, I don't know. how however, however they measured it, that is four point really six. Long. <laughs> well, well, I but I think it might be it might uh, it might be in the inverse. But whatever. Um. Oh no, it no. I'm sorry. Go back. It's the percentages of the time it took you to sack the, when they're attempting a pass. So, okay. The, so, how, yeah, like, how the many amount sacks of based
0: time. on pass attempts?
1: Right. So I you. Gotcha. Four point six. That That's 32nd. 31st was five point three point seven better, okay? To give you a perspective, if you doubled Chicago's score, they would still be less than first place.
0: Dang. That's no fun. But not good. it's so funny looking at that, Nick, because first of all, all those numbers being deep middle of the pack is hilarious because I would swear this defense spent uh, a good chunk of its time at dead last in the league and then a good chunk of its time at top 10 if not maybe edging on top 5 sometimes. And I've so- got
1: like I've got like seven more if you want seven more.
0: Man, you are cooking on these stats. Dude, dude,
1: man. So 31st in sacks, first in interception percentage, 28th in touchdown percentage passing, that's not good. Uh 24th in completion percentage, 29th in third down percentage, but then fourth and fourth down percentage, good. 31st in red zone percentage. So when teams got into the red zone, y'all they scored touchdowns and then 25th in starting field position. So sorry, go on.
0: No, no worries. I mean, if anything that te- I feel like this tells us the story, well of another team that if we split them by early season, late season, we'd get different numbers. But like yep. you saw, even the Montez sweat trade did not keep them from scoring quite low in the wide world of pressure. They mm-hmm. their pressures are, Turned into throwable balls, turned into PDs and interceptions more so than they turned into sacks. Sacks are kind of weird to create. You know, you have to win really fast. And a lot of the Mm -hmm. bear, or at least what we saw with Sweat, is that it seemed as if the defensive line was energized to win at all, which was a great thing because they spent the majority of the first part of the season where they really didn't win and the quarterback could count to five could count to six, like embarrassing pockets. And That was
1: happening in week 18 too, though.
0: I hate saying that word. I mean, to give Love some credit, he would throw the ball after four, right? You'd have somebody that was creeping in on him, which was sort of the Bears ethos. And like you're saying, it wasn't happening fast enough. We need no. more talent on the defensive line. But there was also this major field issue. Like Nick, I said this on stream. This is really, really wild. Green Bay did not slip like the Bears did. And I know that this is some seriously deep conversation, but you cannot convince me they had the right spikes. Like, you, you're going to have a hard time getting me on board with the idea that they were properly equipped, and I mean that literally. I know wow. – we're, at, we're at deep enough in the podcast where we probably don't have a Packers fan listening, and thank goodness for it, because I really don't want to get clipped as the guy who's trying to say, "Oh, well, actually, it was the playing surface," but like, I saw slips from Jalen John or from Tyreek Stevenson. I saw slips from Gervon Dexter. I saw slips from Montez Sweat. I saw slips from all kinds of Bears. Khalil Herbert, that twice. Khalil Herbert, a lot uh, that didn't seem to affect the Packers, and it makes me wonder because. This is just another variable, right, Nick? Whether yeah. they picked out the right equipment, just huh. at least begging the question. But all that to say, week, in, week 18 really might not be indicative of where this team was. It's going to no. be the lasting memory that everybody has. And that's really all I'm trying to, I guess, say is don't you don't need to think of the Atlanta game because that one was almost too good. You don't need yep. to obsess over the Packers game, but I would probably combine the way you felt after both lions games. And that's about where the bears are, which yeah. is a solid team arrow, yep. seriously up.
1: And yep. the, from, the, yeah. Sorry. The the most shocking thing that I have just on this defensive stuff, mm-hmm. Robert, like this is because, because we know pressure, right. Helps generate turnovers. So when you have, Tied for 25th in pressures. Again, hurries, knockdowns, and sacks, y'all. 31st in sacks total. But, yeah, and then then the percentage of time sacked was 32nd. So, like, just pass rush, just flat out bad, okay? Then you have tied for first interception percentage. Like, oh, my gosh, Mm -hmm. Robert. If you just get, again, like, I know defense can go up and down so much from year to year. But these guys are so young, and these like you just got the free agents together that it gives you, I think, a little more hope than most teams. If you add another edge, whether it's Daniel Hunter, whether it's a rookie, I don't even care. You mix in here, and you get more pressure, which I I don't even know if you could get less pressure next year. If you get more pressure, that easily, let's say you get 20th in pressure rate, uh, 18th, whatever. Your defense is going to go by leaps and bounds better next year. Well, it's worth remembering, Nick, that,
0: again, this is where numbers can be so funny, right? Because numbers are storytellers, but sometimes they aren't great storytellers. When you look at Minnesota, one of the highest blitzing teams in the league, they also have one of the lowest pressure percentages. Why? It's because Minnesota will tell you that they are blitzing. The blitz is designed in this case to create a short throw, and it's a similar attitude to what the Bears ascribed to in the middle portion of the season where they would run all this Zimmer stuff that was intended to create quick throws that then they would rally tackle right and so the problem is a problem per se is that these will drain your pressure numbers at least in some cases this isn't me trying to say that the Bears were great at pressuring the quarterback it's to say that when they blitz when they blitz T.J. Edwards from depth the quarterback is supposed to hurry his throw as much as I see this guy in the A-gap. I'm throwing this to the read that I'm set to throw on. But I would nearly guarantee you a statistician isn't going to call it a a hurry, right? Because they want to see the quarterback move off his spot. This is just going to look like he threw it with anticipation, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so I find that interesting because the missed tackle one also, like the Bears were way too soft in their zone structure very early in the season. And it meant that you'd get guys who caught the ball in space and had time to turn their shoulders. I'll use a play that you may remember. Right, the early or the early third quarter play where Eddie Jackson flies down off of a Bears blitz and just has or like and misses a tackle. Uh, I'm. Do you remember the one I'm talking about?
1: Was that a screen? Wasn't it Bo Melton? It was a quick screen
0: to Bo Melton that Eddie Jackson missed the tackle on his outside shoulder, and then Bo ran up the field. That's a great example, in my opinion, Nick, of a missed tackle that maybe Minka Fitzpatrick makes. Like I'm not even caping too hard for Eddie. Eddie's just not there in time right? Yeah. He has to cover too much distance. And I'm sure you'd agree with this. If you were the offensive coach and your receiver didn't break that tackle, given a full yard and a half to make a move, yep. you'd be mad.
1: Like, well, but, but, but also even, cause I've been a DB coach too. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with missed tackles. If you miss their, their outside, the half, outside half and you, and you go hard because that makes them stop their feet and all of the other guys rally to it. So like your percentage of making the tackle might be 15%, but if you can make them stop for a half second, Their their gain is minimal versus waiting, which we did all the time, and you made the sure tackle, but they gained three more yards. Right, and that's what Eddie was doing, but also as far as your missed
0: tackle percentage, it's going to drive your numbers up in ways that are going to make them look worse than they are. I bet if we did like a weighted missed tackle percentage, they'd be closer to dead average. Missed some tackles, don't get me wrong, but Mm -hmm. they didn't have the ghastly misses that plenty of defenses do, in part because like you just mentioned, Nick, they are designing a lot of these. I don't want to say they're designed misses. It's not like that, but they are coached to aim for that outside half when they're flying downhill in a lot of these cases. Right, and it right. it's what creates a miss tackle that becomes a tackle a yard and a half further downfield.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, I completely agree with you. So here I have the, the rankings of the defensive guys, just like I did with offense. So This is PFF, their ranking per position. Montez Sweat was 34th. Uh, Walker was 87th. And then we get to the ones that we struggle with. Rasheem Green was 106th out of 114. Oof. Yannick was 113th out of 114th. Bigger oof. Uh, D-Tackle Billings finished 43rd. I was surprised he was that low. Um, Zach Pickens was 85th. Dexter was 100th. And Justin Jones was 108th. I expected Dexter to be higher than that. I did too. Whatever. What would you say the number was? One more time so I can digest it. 100 out of 131.
0: In overall grade? Yep. He really struggled against the run. Like, they're going to tag him a lot for the run struggles. I bet you, if you looked specifically at his pass rush grade, he's going to jump up to the average area. But even then, if you look at his, because a lot of it is that I remember he came on halfway through the season. He was super giga raw, and then he started winning pass rush reps near the end. Now, he didn't win any in Week 18. Bummer. But he's a raw rookie. I mean, this goes back to something I know we talked about really early in the season, Nick, where I think it is way too easy to have massive expectations for rookies. Guys like Carl Brooks are going to come in and contribute, and then they might not get any better. Might not. He's somebody I still feel like I missed on, to be honest with you.
1: But looking at this sorry to cut you off nope. man if if you want to say film and pff grades don't go together you might be wrong here so we heard robert just say if you if you filter pff pass rushing grade which i did he is i don't have a, i don't have the ranking in there but he is 65.9 which is not bad no it's not that, then you look at run grade it's real run. bad 36.2, real mm-hmm. bad. So real bad. Robert's eyes on film match with PFF so That's says. what I'm saying.
0: Like PFF is a great second opinion. You may not yeah. always agree with their film analysis, but mm-hmm. their grade is basically, hey, somebody watched the film and this is what they thought, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, exactly. It's just too, the biggest problem I would say with the PFF grade thing is that sometimes Nick, it can be too opaque. Like, okay, so somebody gave, let's say Kyler Gordon a bad grade and you go, well, he's really good on like 40 of these plays. Like, what's the problem? And the grader would go, yeah, well, he was really bad on that one. And I go, yeah, but like, okay, so he blew it and we gave up 20 yards, but we're really going to base the whole grade off of that right. because the yeah. other 40 plays, he didn't get targeted. Yeah. Like you get what I'm saying? Where it becomes sort like of a it. push yeah. pull between evaluators,
1: yeah. but let, let me, yeah. Well, you only grind through the other ones. <laughs> if you like to go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I only have a few more. And then I added in special teams just for fun, man. Just oh. you are killing it. You came so prepared. <laughs> I listen, man, I, I was, I was excited to see how yes. Chicago ended this year. And I figured our listeners did too. Um, TJ Edwards, 11th out of 83, which honestly, y'all, if you look at that week That's one, really how bad he did, and he missed that tackle against Austin Eckler, like he is, he bounced back. Um, the Sandman as Eber Palouse mm-hmm. has nicknames for everyone, which I love by the way, uh, was 44th out of 83 and Edmonds was 73 out of 83. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Johnson, we know he's number one, like the number one corner. That's wild, which is amazing. Out of 128 guys, he's better than sauce Gardner. I mean, you can go through the list. Y'all Of Patrick. Where did sauce end? Ooh, I'll, I'll look it up as I'm chatting about the other ones here. Um, your boy, Terrell Smith, again, with how you, how this grading is, he was 39th out of all corners in the NFL. Happy for Terrell. Uh, sauce was third. Um. Devon Witherspoon was fourth, by the way. Rook at him go. He had a year. Kyler Gordon, 63rd, which again, we saw him coming on, which is good. And then uh, Tyreek Stevenson was 81st. Mm -hmm. Safety, I'm proud of Jaquan Brisker. Jaquan Brisker had a tough first half, y'all. Like tough. And he bounced back. He finished 54th, which is way better than he was. Eddie Jackson, 78th. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Eddie, man. It's time to go. Out of 99, Elijah Hicks. And this is, what I've been he, 99th? Saying he was 96 out of 99. Like we need depth at safety. I was ready for so it. So bad. And the- then the last two special teams, Cairo Santos, 11th among kickers. Kill it, Cairo. Whatever. And then Trenton Gill. And this is again for Dave, right? Cause we went on the, the BR pod mm-hmm. or the BFF, BFF, BFR, 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 BFR pod. Uh, good guys over there, by the way, y'all, y'all should go listen to them, him and Vicky. Dave is like the most anti Trenton Gill person. I think that I know. And, <laughs> and it made me, because now I'm like looking at, you know, how like you're in a situation and it's oh, yeah. like, don't you hear that? And then they say what it is. And then that's all yes. you can hear. Yes. So after Dave said that, I just concentrated on Trent and Gill all the time, but then I looked Trent Gill is 23rd among punters, which is not. The worst, which is what I thought it was. It's not the so. worst. The hardest part about what Trenton Gill has
0: to battle is that while he is a former draft pick, uh, punting is the easiest position to find competition at, right? So mm-hmm. you can bring in a UDFA and have a legit camp battle for the punter job without yeah. real worry about, say, upsetting the locker room. I mean, you'd hope that getting rid of Trenton Gill isn't going to upset the locker he's
1: room. He's a big dude, man. He's a big dude. But I didn't know that. I, I was like looking through this because, I mean, you look at you know all the punters, and you're like, you know, I guess some of them, right. actually a lot of them are big dudes. I'm sorry, I was wrong because I was looking at the ones around him. He's six four, two nineteen. Like I'm like, if if he if you gotta if you gotta run fit someone up on a punt return, he right. could do it.
0: What I wish talking about the grades because there's a lot of them that like we talked earlier about how it's another person's opinion. I cannot stand the fact that PFF does not weight the difficulty of their coverage assignments. Right. Like, let's use the best example. Eddie Jackson is going to be your free safety pretty much every single play. Like, mm-hmm. it and that means that anytime the Bears are running cover one, Brisker is rolled down and he's manned up on somebody. But more often than not, they'll run cover three, which means that Brisker will play in the flat. Do you know how often teams throw to the flat? Not that often. When they mm-hmm. do, it's basically a rally tackle, but it goes down as a coverage rep. Right. And so yeah. Brisker will get a lot of credit for a lot of those when, to me, Nick, Brisker, every time he gets put into a position where he has to where where he has to cover and he is targeted, it's not gone well for most of the season. Now, we've no. seen we've seen some improvements. He's stepped forward. He's developing like I'm more I'm not trying to call for his replacement, but you end up with at least some of these, Nick, where it's like, let's use safety as an example. I really prioritize the safety's eyes their ability to play in the deep halves to me if you are a walking big play waiting to happen i don't really care how you fit the run right which may come back to bite me but i value safeties just like eddie and brisker Mm -hmm. kills it in the run game the guy is like a spare linebacker playing safety which is great until Antonio Gibson wheels you up the sidelines and catches it. Why do
1: you you have to bring up the bad memories, Robert? I'm just, I have to bring them up because they're going to happen again.
0: Does that make sense? Like I'm just getting, I'm just getting PTSD from this. It's the same thing as the Terrell Smith thing, right? He ends up with this really nice PFF grade, but at the end of the season, who did the Packers target? It wasn't 29. Right. And, and I mean, Terrell got spun on those cover three reps, not just once, but twice, but because PFF really liked the reps where Terrell walked, in, walked into own coverage and then drove down to rally tackle, he ends up 39th in corner while Tyreek Stevenson eats some L's because he gets elbowed in the face by Mike Evans early in the season and is a rookie that doesn't know how to play. It, this is me saying I wish they waited things while I throw some analysis in about where the Bears are, in my opinion, but in particular, it's those like linebacker DB coverage grades where they don't assignment grade it. They just say good pay, good play, bad play, and then treat all plays as equal. When I think you know that in, for corner, you get like seven reps that matter. And if you can come oh, yeah. through on four of those, you're going to take 10 points off the board. Like right. unironically, those are
1: let huge me, reps. Let me have fun with you. Again, th- just because I agree with what you said, okay? Right. But this is just what's fun. So like if anyone wants to use like ammo, which I know people love to do on Twitter. Right. So Terrell Smith, Tied for 39th with Denzel Ward, by the way. Let me let me tell you corners he graded better than probably some really I mentioned, good corners. <laughs> I mentioned I mentioned one. He finished better than Patrick Sertan the second. He finished better than Darius Slay, Jamel Dean, who I wanted Chicago to sign last offseason. Better than Jair Alexander, Marshawn Lattimore, Jalen Ramsey. Tariq Woolen, <laughs> Joey Porter right. Jr., who was the Chase Claypool pick. Uh, Martin Emerson, who's not bad. Marlon Humphrey, who's really good in Baltimore. Um, I mean, you could go through the list, but that, I think that's enough, right? What like, do you hear, Nick, when you're going through this? I hear, I hear Terrell Smith's a superstar. That's well, right yes.
0: Here. But what else? <laughs> what else do you hear? You hear corner ones, right? Yep. Because Patrick Sertain's going to get a terrible grade when DJ Moore rips him off in the Denver yep. game, which is exactly what happened. Like, the the hardest thing, I think, and it's why I wish PFF had a waiting system, because I actually think that would help them, right, a lot, is you end up with most of these corners have terrible grades. Because if you drew, this has been the Jalen Johnson problem, man, like to a T. It is Jalen gets a 65 grade in most of his seasons because he draws AJ Brown and plays pretty pretty okay, right? And if you if AJ Brown's going up against Kendall Vildor, it's an automatic loss. It's a PFF 20, right? So the mm-hmm. fact that he's punching at his weight in a position that I would consider different from your slot corner or your corner two, like that doesn't get a boost. He doesn't get bonus points for uh, for difficulty of assignment, which is fine, but I, as a coach, would care a lot about that. You know what I mean?
1: All right. So, so let's, let's flip the GM. Okay. So, sure. no, I agree. I agree with you with that part of it. Let's flip the GM and let's talk about Jalen Johnson for a second. Oh, yeah. If I am Ryan Pulse, what I do with Jalen Johnson is I franchise tag him. It's I the, do not, it's I the don't only sign him to a long term deal because listen, oh, y'all, I what? No, I franchise tag him. I tag him into an extension. Well, you you could, you could, but again, he has to earn it. And now let's talk about why y'all he has been inconsistent his first three years. He's had good games, but he's had some bad games. He's also been injured a lot, which he got hurt this year as well. Jalen Johnson, while he's earned an extension this season, you're not paying him for this season. You're paying him for what he could be in the next few years. Mm -hmm. If he has two great years back to back. Yep. Sure. Give him the back. But I want to see him do it for two years. Me,
0: personally, I would tell you he did. Like, I thought he deserved an extension last year because I thought his, er, his play last year and the year before that was clear corner one level. Here's at least how I see it, Nick, is well, the play we got this year is even better. Like, only makes the case stronger. But last season, the only reason we got any stops at all is because Jalen was able to contest with guys like A.J. Brown, guys like Devontae Adams, guys like a Christian Watson, like he was the only one that was able to hang. And then we got Tyreek Stevenson, who thank goodness he can hang at least a little. But even
1: him, we're not ready for that yet. So well, let, let, let me clarify for a second. I'm not saying don't sign him at all. I'm saying right. he, he, he's going to want... The best corner money. And I don't think prior to this year he has earned that. He would have been a different type of an extension. To me, like, finding that middle ground is what's going to be tough after this season. I think the middle ground
0: comes from injury and should be there. Like, honestly, every corner gets hurt. If you take a look at the top corners in the game, they nearly all miss games. Because it's just an incredibly difficult position. You need to be long, but you also need to be fast, which leads you to either shoulder issues or hamstring issues. They are so common. Among really good DBs because it's just hard, Nick, for the human body to sustain that level of physicality at that level of speed, at that level of lankiness, at that like weight. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's just a funny conversation to have. But Jalen misses the final game of the season. And if I'm a GM, that's my negotiating in to be like, right, you had an amazing year, but also you missed some games. Let's meet in the middle at this number. Mm-hmm. And I want to get him signed. So that not only do you not have to worry about adding another DB in the future, because if you tag him, you don't know you're keeping him yet, right? You have to right. if you're if you're planning for the future, you have to. I think the st- the peace of mind you get from saying our edge one and our CB one are in place. These are our cornerstone positions. We have mm-hmm. our top corner that faces their top guy. We have our top edge that faces their left tackle, or in this case, it's Montez usually faces the right tackle. Neither here nor they there. Um. You get what I mean? Like to me, you get him now. You save yourself two and a half million dollars a year that you're going to pay him next year if he proves it. And if he doesn't prove it, you're SOL.
1: But so hold hold on, you're saying you're saying extend him? I would. I would personally
0: tag him, and then I would get him extended.
1: Well, so how much are you paying him?
0: I at this point, because it's been a year, I think that the floor is probably the Digs deal, and I think the Digs deal is probably fair. It's a lot of money, but it's a corner one. Like wow. you got Justin Jefferson in your division, you got Jaden Reed in your division, you got your Christian Watson in your division, you got Almandral Saint Brown in your division. If you don't have the core, or if you don't have DB weaponry, you're not going to be able to combat any of it.
1: So I'm looking at, um, so Brad Spielberger, he's a friend, y'all. He's a Bears fan as well. Mm-hmm. You guys should follow him. He's a good dude at PFF. He Does the contract numbers in his his um, projections for PFF? He has Jalen Johnson as a franchise tag. He doesn't have it as a, as an actual number, uh, but then just below it, he has luxurious Sneed, also very good corner in the NFL. His contract projection is three years, um, at 17.5 per year with 35 million guaranteed. Is that what you're thinking for Jalen or more? So
0: I assumed that if I was going to get a deal done, the floor is probably 20, which I know is going to make your eyes pop out of your skull. But mm, that's that. that's the way these extensions work. There was a point where Jay Cutler was the highest paid like quarterback in football. You're planning the deal around it being affordable in its second and third year, right? But if you could get him around the tag of like 18 a year, that's even better. I mean, the problem is, man, we're coming off of the hottest year he had. You're going to pay a premium. But also... I personally am tired of letting good players walk and would love to see him get paid so that the Bears can look on to other positions.
1: Yeah, but But if if you franchise them, then you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to pay him the premium because he comes down to earth and he's not walking.
0: It's a locker room thing, though. It's like a we reward our guys thing. Keeps everybody hungry for a year. And it's a guy that you're planning on paying anyways. So you're not really, I don't think anyways, you're not really hurt by doing it now. But- at the end of the day, it's gonna start with a tag. It'll just be a matter of what it progresses to.
1: So yeah, maybe you well, get the, your the, way. The, the fun part is, is that with the amount of money Chicago has, is you can you can front load some of this stuff too. Exactly. Yeah. Let me so I know I know we talked about this earlier. And and this is I'm I'm on the ledge, y'all. Okay. I you gotta I we talked about building blocks and not jumping ahead. I have one guy that is my dream free agent signing.
0: It's Bryce Huff, isn't it?
1: No. Do
0: you want to guess? Uh, Is it an edge?
1: It's not an edge. Is it a DT? It's not a DT. Is it...
0: That's not a linebacker, then. Is it a safety? It's Anton Winfield, isn't it?
1: You know who it is, yeah.
0: (laughs) I think you can draft a safety. I really do.
1: I I think you can, too. But I just think, like, it's so... Because you just talked about this. It's so rare to find a elite really good coverage safety Mm -hmm. and an elite run safety he does both y'all like he does i understand like pain safeties is the thing just like paying linebackers but if you could match him up with brisker then all of a sudden it's like prime eddie jackson is back
0: so the main thing because because i hear you and i get it main thing that i'm thinking about is how last year's draft Featured a couple of coverage safeties that I really liked. The main one that I talked about near endlessly was Brisker's running mate at Penn State. His name's Jair Brown, currently playing for the 49ers. Would you like to guess when he was drafted? I know. Would you, know. Would you like to guess? Was it, was it round uh, three? It was the compensatory three, which yep. a, as of now, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but the Bears are hoping to have a compensatory third that may come from Ian Cunningham getting hired, which would be neat, right? And it would he be especially great.
1: What? He finished 14th.
0: Uh, J- Jair Brown? Yep. He did. And so I look at that and I think to myself, Nick, that if the Bears scouting department knows what they're looking for in a free safety, you can find one of these guys. Now, he may not get you the run fits, right? But it is really tough the way the Bears call their zones for the, for the free safety to get to the run fit anyways, right? Like he's, he's pretty deep back there when they play these but that's more i hope that's not me just taking like a a victory lap on a player i really liked so much as saying nick opportunity is out there when it comes to safety db to grab another adrian amos it is a very 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 easy position if you get the pick right to just plop in a great player
1: it's like center. It's like interior O-line. Those are easier to find. Let me, let me, here's my last selling point, y'all. Okay. Talking about not paying Jalen Johnson, at least not yet. So he proves it over multiple years. Antoine Winfield's ranking among safeties the last three years, this year is first, last year was 10th, three years ago, he was second. This is a guy that is proven to He's be sweet. A over the last three years, his first year, he's a rookie, he's 35th. Like He's whatever. really
0: great. To me, really it's great. like paying Saquon Barkley, right? Where it's just spending a lot at a position that is more scheme dependent, Nick, than I think you want to admit. Just because you're switching from a man blitz scheme to a zone scheme that has a little blitzing, but not as much. So it's is it quite the same position? Well, it's a little different, right? Will Anton be bad at it? probably not. He's Antoine Winfield. Guy's a stud, right? Yeah. But How much
1: how, how much would you pay
0: for Antoine Winfield? Yeah. This is the reason I probably wouldn't pay him. I would cap it at 11.
1: Oh wow. Let me let me look at Jesse Bates's contract.
0: A lot more than that.
1: <laughs> oh my god. They paid him
0: a ton, a ton. You you can see why I would plan around drafting a kid if that's my number. Right. All right. Never goes, mind.
1: I'm out. I'm out. If that's the number, I'm out. That's what, yeah. Right. So, like, so, <laughs> I mean, instead of, what, what is he? 17 okay, and a half. I, I know this is, you know, a podcast and sometimes people watch, I have to say the numbers. So Jesse Bates last year. So again, the numbers go up, signed a four year, $64 million contract with uh, 36 guaranteed. So you think of that averages out to, well, that's 16 a year. I mean, I mean, he, yeah, it goes up. I mean, I, I see 17 and a half as a number, 18 and a half, 18 oh, and a half.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, Nick, you're not getting him for 12 and a half mil. And if you All were, right. it's a conversation. You're I'm getting out. him for 18. Like,
1: <laughs> I'm out. Okay, never mind. And,
0: and that's why, to me, Nick, if you gave me the choice between a a safety like Antoine Winfield or a corner, I would tell you that as much as I love safety, safety is a little easier to replace. Corners, really, really hard. I would not quibble over $2 million if that's what it took me to get Jalen signed for a while, just because I see that position as extraordinarily valuable. It's the same way we used to talk, or we talked earlier about the Montez Sweat deal. Do I really think I'm getting a $25 million player? No. But I could pay a lot of players $21 million and it won't make them as good as Montez Sweat. Does that make sense? I get it. I get it for sure. To me, there's a point where you almost have to have a calculated overpay where, of course, he's not worth the money. I didn't pretend he was, but he is worth it to you inside of the framework of the defense that you're playing. And that's what you need from these guys. Like Montez Sweat is $25 million important. Is he $25 million good that wasn't the
1: question I was asking. Yeah. Well, right. and, and and to this, I mean, I'm worried about the injuries, and he and for those that don't remember, I mean, oh, he's yeah. had a lot of shoulder issues over his career. But uh, they said in the presser that he is, uh, or they have no players right now. They know that have to have surgery, right? Which I thought was shocking. It was 20 mil for the record, uh,
0: and the reason I'm picking that number, maybe you get him for a little less, maybe you get him for like 19, hopefully 18. That would be a, that would be stealing, if you ask me. Is you're still talking about, at that point, Nick, a, it's a tough five corner contract until the next big extension, right? Yep. And within three years' time, it would probably put Jalen in the top 10 range, but the low end of the top 10. And that's about where I think he should sit anyways, right? Yep. Where yep. realistically, are we talking about the best corner in football? PFF says so, probably not. Right. No. But a well, very that, good that makes quarter. me
1: think about that Cole Comet contract and how awesome it's
0: going to be. It is. And you're trying to sign him for as close to that as possible. But if you can get him on last year's big extension, then you're getting a discount anyways, even though it sounds to any fan like way too much money. It always does. Right. Paying DBs is a sore spot that I've seen across the NFL, where as soon as the DB gets his money, it's too much. But you, yeah. you see the same with receivers too, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, you see it everywhere. So I thought we could end the pod with my fun uh, playoff predictions and see what you think. So we're going to save the Justin Fields topic for another pod? I, I think so because we're an too- hour and 45 minutes into this. So that's what I'm saying. yeah, it's too, it's too long. It's too big. <laughs> All right. So here's what I have, Robert. And I'll go through my wild card, divisional and the rest do all the way to the Super Bowl. Do it, and then, but I want you to play along too, and this what, will be fun. What, you so, think I was not gonna? <laughs> yeah, well, good, because because you know people are like, listen, y'all. Okay, don't don't make bets based on us, okay? But you know, if you want to have fun at people home. People are counting push, you know, on us. I, we're just we're just not we're not those people. we're bears people. But anyways, wild card round. Okay, let's start with AFC. You have Pittsburgh is playing at Buffalo. Who do you got? I would take
0: Buffalo, but. I think that that game is going to be a mucky gum fest, and if you told me that Seattle or that Pittsburgh is going to take the upset, I wouldn't be blown away, right? But as of now, best team, I have to take Buffalo, and I think they'll pull it out.
1: Yeah, I I got Buffalo pretty easy there with T.J. Watt out as well. Um, Pittsburgh's you never, never know. as easy
0: as you want it to be, man. Maybe, maybe That's some all Trubisky. I'm magic. About. <laughs>
1: maybe maybe Trubisky goes in. You never know. I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, Miami at Kansas city. Tell me who you're taking. Okay. Listen, I, I wanted cause Kansas city isn't playing well. I wanted to go with Miami y'all. Okay. But again, I, I go to, I go to different layers for this stuff. Okay. Think of all of the post seasons that Kansas city has gone to, right? They have that advantage. Plus. Miami is so beat up on defense. Andrew Van Ginkle, I think, is out. Uh, They just lost Bradley Chubb. Sadly, he's out. Like, they're losing pass rushers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, and and I think some of their O-lines already beat up. Like, I just think Miami's too beat up, sadly, to show all of the talent that they have to give this a game. So I have Kansas City winning at home.
0: I I think the same. I think you're being really clear minded about it where Kansas city is on the down and Miami has the most fun coach and ball, but they're also on the down and they're on the mend. It's just the wrong game. Maybe it works out for them, but I think Kansas city's defense, everybody continues to think Mahomes. They're an offensive team. Their defense has been good enough that I imagine they're going to keep a lid on Miami. All right. What game are we going next?
1: All right. Houston or uh, uh, Cleveland at Houston. Who are you going with?
0: I got the Browns. In this one, I I I think that I do, too. I think it's a hard, hard ask for the Texans to beat a game or to beat a uh, or the Texas CJ Stroud to beat a defense this good playing this well. And I think Joe Flacco has really given the Browns a a piece of juice that they didn't know they needed. And it's been really fun to watch this story come together. I will say if Stroud comes out and surprises, uh, this is going to be a game that a lot of people don't forget. Right. This is going to be one of those. Holy moly. Like this is when Stroud goes from an incredibly strong rookie season. That's already going to be remembered to a legendary rookie season. If he wins even one playoff game, but so we'll see magic of football, right?
1: I agree. Yeah. That, that one, that one could be the most fun. Like you're saying, because you see miles Garrett and that amazing Browns defense, but then you see this, you know, shining rookie, but then I also saw him really play bad against the jets who were a very, very good defense too. So we'll see, but I think Houston's an easy team to root for, you know, very. and also I'm going to make a small plug in here for Houston, who they have a, let me check notes, head coach. That's a defensive guy. And they hired <laughs> an offensive coordinator. It worked out. Okay. All right. Anyways, um, <laughs> green Bay is traveling to Dallas. Are you picking the Packers? Not a chance. Yeah, neither am I, baby.
0: Not to, <laughs> n- not to mention, so like I could cite a bunch of silly things, but Mike McCarthy doesn't get enough credit for what he's doing in Dallas right now. Like everybody thought that Kellen Moore was the brains behind, quote, anything good that happens in Dallas on offense, end quote. And it turns out Mike McCarthy had a lot more juice than we ever gave him credit for. Yep. Now, I got to tell you, there's part of me that's picky with my heart. I have seen the the Cowboys in particular disappoint in the playoffs Left, right, and center. But I got to tell you, Nick, they are probably playing like the third best team in football right now. And that gives them a shot if the 49ers stumble. Mm -hmm. Because I really don't think that they can beat the 49ers. But they have a path to the big game if they can just get the 49ers out of the way. And so I would love to see the Packers get smoked on national television. I do (laughs) think the Packers cover Cause right now Dallas is a seven and a half point favorite. and I don't like that for green Bay. Those are the games that green Bay thrives in, but I, I-,
1: I don't know, man. I just, I mean, I think this is one of those where like it, green Bay is that story that you kind of wanted Chicago to be maybe even next year where it's like, Hey, like young team coming together. They made the playoffs. Like, Hey, I'm glad that you're like, you're glad that you made the playoffs, but Dallas is steadily on defense and on offense. And- like, I, I don't think it's going to be close. Um, Hope not. And, it, and this Dak isn't this is 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 nothing too. Dak, Dak
0: right now is in.
1: Right. It's nothing against. Honestly, this isn't about Green Bay. This is just about Dallas being a good team. All right. The Rams are playing at Detroit, and I am going to go first. Okay. Well, also Pico, the storyline. There's the story only line, one answer
0: here. we you been, forgot
1: you you forgot about the storyline from the last one, right? So McCarthy playing against Green Bay again. Oh, yeah. It's kind of
0: fun, right? Unbelievable story, game, but yeah. an, an now, even better this,
1: one. This one, Matt Stafford <clears throat> and Sean McVay. They're Matt Stafford's returning back to to Motown for when Detroit finally has a division winner, right? And the Rams are going to beat Detroit. And I think so too. For many things, the, the Rams have won. I think five of six games, y'all. They they're hot have playoff experience. They've won a Super Bowl, and Detroit like they have holes in that team i feel
0: and... i feel like there are gonna be people bears fans that are gonna think that we just hate the other guys in the nfc north and that's oh. why we're picking against them here's my thing a bet against the rams right now is a bet against the sean McVay attack against aaron glenn's defense i think aaron glenn is not very good at his job i think the fact that the lions are going to come out and play so much man against the reigning i mean the no way no way puka Dukua. oh man he may lose rookie of the year to CJ Stroud. He could. Like, that would be wild given that Puka isn't. Is, I mean, what would he you set, say he
1: should? He should not. He set NFL records as a rookie. Right. Well, like rookie records, but still.
0: Still. Like yeah. it's gonna be wild watching this game. But the, the one storyline piece that I think people are forgetting, everybody, everybody is talking about Jared Goff's revenge game against Sean McVay. Man, Nick. This is Sean McVay's statement game for why he traded Goff. Like, this is because he's in Goff's house right now. You could argue, I mean, that they have Detroit as the favorite, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so this is the game where Sean McVay says, no, 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 you don't understand. You would never hang on this team. We wouldn't be in the playoffs with you here. And this guy's going to show you why. So I mean, I mean
1: they, they still got Aaron Donald like they still got some things there so
0: and they got a quarterback uh, yeah, that's, that's not... more they got a quarterback that's more comfortable on Ford Field than Jared is like yep. the, the Lions current quarterback has way less games on that on that patch well, of asphalt
1: well, you, you think of the pressure too Detroit has the pressure I think
0: I, I think Detroit has the pressure I frankly think that the crowd atmosphere is going to be bizarre because good luck getting Detroit to hate Matt Stafford and whatever he's doing in the Rams, right? Yep. This would yep. be like if in 2018, uh, I, he wasn't playing then. So if, if in 2015, Jay Cutler had visited Chicago, you'd have a lot of fans that would struggle to cheer yeah. against well, Jay at that point.
1: Also, did you watch the game last week? Minnesota is throwing bombs and touchdowns. And it was, who was starting last week? Was it Nick Mullins again or oh, whomever? Speak,
0: speaking of, do you remember? The, they lost Sam Laporta. I don't know what his injury status yeah, is. Yeah, that's sad. They lost Khalif Raymond too, who I didn't see that one. He limped off the field. Maybe he's like NFL okay, but he definitely slowed up, right? Like the Lions played their starters in a game where they did not have to. They did not get anything for it because they lost, or they still didn't get the two seed. This feels to me, Nick. I'm just, I'm just gonna come out and say it. Yeah, the Lions finished twelve and five. The moment the Lions drafted Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell in the first round, I started wondering whether they had made the same mistake that the 2018 Bears had of getting really high on the fact that they were better than horrible, right? And basically starting to declare themselves having made it. And if they suffer the same fate the Bears did of getting bounced by a team that's been there before, which like the Eagles, the Rams... You could argue they're very similar teams. It would be a repeat of history in a different city that would be pretty brutal for Detroit fans. But if you're into Shaddenford, it would be pretty funny. You know
1: what I mean? Well, I'm 100% with you. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> that that might be the most entertaining game to watch just because of all the storylines. Okay, Philadelphia at tampa bay i'll let you go first go, go bucks
0: start. baby this is dave canellis's head coaching resume game as he Ooh. comes out here takes on the uh or like takes on the eagles who are i think at this point more brand than they are like polish right you are catching the eagles at the perfect time they have issues and i'm just gonna say it again like Now you've got your offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, getting head coaching interviews for a couple of the head coaching vacancies across the league. I tend to think that that's going to be a little bit of a distraction. Hey, maybe we see the Eagles rise to the quality that they used to be, but Nick, I think that the Buccaneers catch them at the right time. Too much receiving talent against a corner group that's not been very good, a defense that's going to probably grind the, or that's going to at least limit the damage that happens on, uh, or like happens on the other side of the ball. I think the Bucs find a way at home.
1: So, I have more just injury off of that. If if y'all didn't watch last week, the Eagles got beat up just injury wise. So already, um, I, Sidney Brown, safety, confirmed done. So good. They think they think ACL. Such yeah, a good I, player, I, was, I should say. I was, I was a big big fan of him coming out. Um, Jalen Hurts hurt his middle finger on his throwing hand. Oh boy, he's questionable. AJ Brown hurt his knee. That did not look good questionable. Uh, also, Devonta Smith, ankle, he might not play. Uh, Dandre Swift is ill. Darius Slay is questionable with a knee. They're beat up. They've lost, was it five of six games? It's they're bad, playing, man. They're it's playing bad, bad, and they're beat up. I think this is Tampa, just because Tampa is healthy, and they're not playing as bad as Philly is, and they're at home. It's wild card weekend.
0: So the fact that you and I just went, what is that? Like six for six, or we just went agree, 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 agree. All right. right.
1: All right. Divisional round though. I think this could be different. So we've got. Exactly. I was about to say. Cleveland at Baltimore.
0: Oh man. Let's, let's get, are we going to do the whole ladder, man? We're two hours into the podcast. We can say. I
1: was just going to go through them quick. (laughs) Cleveland
0: at Baltimore. Um, my, my head says Baltimore. My heart says Baltimore and my gut says Cleveland. What do you think?
1: I'm going Baltimore there. Um, I think the, the Flacco magic runs out. He does not get his revenge game. So the main thing I'm thinking about there is the fact that the Browns
0: actually have the defensive pieces to at least freeze the Baltimore offense and make it a game. And if I was Baltimore, when you're the heavy favorite and suddenly you're punching with an opponent you didn't think was going to punch back, it can be kind of a stunning moment, right? Yeah. Not to mention, I'm just this is where I need to ask you this, right? Because this is the big one. Do you believe that a week's rest can be damaging to a team?
1: Yes, I can. <laughs>
0: and part of me wonders whether the Browns are going to get a more than they bargained for against a Texans team that, while they ultimately beat, is going but- to lock them in. Cleveland. Yes. Did I say that right?
1: Yeah, you said it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right. Um now it is Kansas City playing at Buffalo. I so I agree with you. I'm taking Baltimore. I'm taking Buffalo in the rematch, y'all. We remember those AFC Championship games, right? Josh Allen finally takes over Patrick Mahomes for lots of reasons. Kansas City isn't playing as well as we know. Buffalo was struggling. Now they're rolling. Buffalo plays this at Buffalo. It's not at Kansas city. Doesn't matter if Taylor Swift's there or not. Josh Allen finally gets to beat Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick pulls it out. Not for any other
0: reason. They shouldn't. The, the, the the chiefs will be the worst team. Right. But to me, that is one of those games that you just see in the NFL, where I think Patrick has the capacity to just say no. And moreover, I tend to think Travis Kelsey, over the course of this next wild card game, is going to lock it in a little bit. I think that I think Travis has his head seems like it's been a little all over the place. Not to and I, I don't say that about Taylor, right? That's the easy thing everybody's locking in on. Right, it's yeah. more just about retirement, right? What is left for Travis to accomplish at this point? He became the Best receiver in tight or in Chiefs history, memory serves, which is like, oh, it's an award he won over uh, Tony Gonzalez. Like he's the dude. He has nothing left to prove. But it's a playoff season, so okay. I tend, I I would look at that and I would say you get this like old guard return to Mahomes Kelsey that then sets up Rushy Rice sets up some of the rest of the receiving weapons enough to grind a win out. But moreover, man, in the world of quarterback on quarterback, I cannot take the Texas Tech gunslinger.
1: man all right so that's our first disagreement you have which is good we had to disagree eventually all right well well okay next one i'm gonna let you go first this one the rams are playing at san francisco
0: (sighs) that is a game that could go either way like those coaches love each other and man next door to love is hate right I, i couldn't not take the niners in this one my the fun soul of football wants me to take a hot Rams team, but the Niners are too good. I think they have too many answers. But that game is always wet and wild. Like every time McVeigh meets up with Shanahan.
1: So <laughs> funny that you say that. Take I- my my picks are already posted, Robert. This is I posted this yesterday, I think. This this is a football guys exercise that we did as a staff. So yeah, I picked the, the Rams over the 49ers. Get them. And I, I had this guy who's a Niners fan of my mentions that's just so mad. I'm like, dude, I I don't I can't pick the one seeds. Like I, I just can't do it. He's like, why? And I'm like, <laughs> football. Like, you know, the Rams are playing well. They got Stafford, you know, like, and he's trying to go through. I'm like, I'm not gonna debate this with you. So okay. The last one, Tampa at Dallas. I'll go first. I'm picking the boys. People think that they're going to choke. This team is good. I'm telling you and I are on
0: lock, aren't we? Where I looked at this, man, I was right there with you where I was like, everybody thinks that the boys are going to choke. And I actually think this might be their year. I mean, they have to prove me wrong. This is when it's most dangerous. When you talk about the Cowboys is when you start saying anything nice about them, because generally
1: immediately they let you down. Fine, but let's skip to the championship game then. So you have you would have Dallas mm-hmm. at San Francisco. Like this is not Okay, listen y'all. No, it's bring, not. Wrinkles, This isn't the early 90s, okay? This is 2024. Dallas at 49ers according Man. to Robert, and it's the championship game. Who's it, winning, Robert? Cuz if that's according to Robert,
0: then all of a sudden I just realized that I'm probably picking Baltimore San Francisco in the Super Bowl, and that feels boring, but it could easily happen. Uh and that would be like, if Brock Purdy makes a Super Bowl appearance, that's just going to be unbelievable. Like, what a dream it would yep. be for the kid. But, yep. man, I don't – if Dallas comes out and they play a great game against San Francisco, I will be so excited for Dallas, the city. And I will be so impressed with the Dallas Cowboys. But right now, they seem like a team that San Fran is their boogeyman.
1: So, I have a different game, right? Because I have – the Rams at Dallas, and I have Dallas winning and finally returning to the Super Bowl. Like everyone says, yes. that never I think do that's. Again.
0: I think what you just mentioned is what Dallas needs if they want to get to the Super Bowl. Like mm-hmm. they need, they need Los Angeles to beat the Rams or Detroit. But I don't think. De- De- Let's pretend uh, Detroit pulls it out. Do you think they beat San Fran?
1: Detroit, Detroit, no. But no I, think I think the Rams could.
0: <laughs> I think the Rams could shoot with them. I think Detroit no. can't.
1: Here's the other one. I have Buffalo beating Baltimore.
0: Yes, you do. Oh man, that'd be sick if you got a, a Cowboys. No way. No and way. Did you pick that for storylines? No, I haven't. It's it's posted. It's no, I'm posted. saying, did you pick Buffalo facing Dallas in the bowl for storylines?
1: Now, now you do you want to? You know who wins in my magical brain? There's no way you picked the Cowboys. Buffalo finally gets revenge from the early nineties say and like, beats Dallas.
0: It would be Nick. It would be so unbelievably sports perfect if that didn't happen. Steve, like Steve Tasker, is on the sidelines just fist pumping. But imagine just just because we've seen games like this, Nick. Imagine if Buffalo took a seventeen to seven lead into halftime and blew it in a game like that where th- then Dallas wins again. Like, they they, they just, at that point, because you got to remember, this extends. Like, because around those early 90s times, you saw the Dallas Stars raise the 1999 Stanley Cup over the Buffalo Sabres. In seven games, in two overtimes, when Brett Hole got accused for kicking the fuck in. Oh my so, like, God. Dow- Buffalo in particular, like, I remember I was at a lacrosse camp with somebody in Virginia back when I was younger. He's like, I'm from Buffalo. I was like, I'm from Dallas. And he's like, I hate Dallas. And I was like, what did Dallas do to you? And didn't realize how many different stops on the train this, like, Dallas-Buffalo thing has happened, but man, what a Super Bowl. I think that would be. I guess I would have unintentionally picked the one seeds to get in, and again, I, I think that's kind of boring, right? But I will say this, Nick. In the world of legacy, just because we're at the end of the podcast, we might as well talk about it. If yep. Mahomes and the defense drag this Kansas City team oh, to wow. another Super Bowl, what will you think of Magic <laughs> Mahomes?
1: It, okay, hold on. Okay, this is going to come full circle to the Bears. If Patrick Mahomes can drag that team, and the defense is good, but that offense is bad. If he can drag them to Super Bowl and wins, I'm picking Caleb Williams and just hoping he's the next Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> because like, you can do anything. Like, is that one of those, like those little ones? kids? They have the thing. You can do anything if you believe it. Like, sure.
0: What I, what I keep thinking to myself, Nick, is. Like obviously, uh, Patrick is not geared up with the same weaponry that he's had in the past. But it is funny thinking about just like all the games I've ever watched. Like I've I've never lost picking Patrick. You know what I mean? Like in the playoffs, in the playoffs, I have never lost picking they, they, and betting on Patrick. You're right. What? That to me, it is a matter of Travis. I think Travis Kelsey has been. I don't want to say an issue. That's not fair. I think the page, or I think the. Chiefs constructed their team with too big a bet on Travis Kelsey sustaining the unsustainable.
1: Does that he's make sense? He's lost a step.
0: But what if he got it back? Like, what if, what if he summoned it for one more playoff if run? You're
1: saying, you're saying he's been sharking us this whole time? He shar- like, turns it on? Not he's sharking it, us, he's per se. 60% all year. You heard it here from Robert Casey. No, Schreiber. no.
0: But I'm basically saying that, okay, so think about it this way, right? Um, Tyreek Stevenson. Has nothing to lose, and he's gonna play like he has nothing to lose. Travis Kelsey sees the league a little differently. You know what I mean? And a oh, regular yeah. season game is a regular season game, and it's it, it. That doesn't mean I think that Travis is like trying to play bad. I mean, obviously he played great against the Bears, no, but I it's don't. more to say, Nick, I wonder if the playoffs brings a different level out of him because mm-hmm. Hall of Famers always do that. Half of your your picks with the Rams are aren't they the same bet on Aaron Donald? That like yeah. he's going to get to the playoffs and he's just going to hit a different level. And so if he does, and by this, I'm going back to Travis that all of a sudden you have a tip of the spear weapon that might catalyze the, uh, the chiefs offense. Now, obviously you got to get overcome Matt Nagy. <laughs> I mean, I wish I was kidding, but this has been an issue.
1: What, like, what if, what if you talk about storylines talking about the bears? What if to beat Kansas city, Chase Claypool like mosses. Oh my like gosh. Like Sneed or something. Well, well let like, me give
0: you something I think imagine. you'd laugh at more, right? So the Chiefs beat the Dolphins. They go to Buffalo, and they are a fourth and one away. Like oh, a fourth and one. one convers- what?
1: We get one of those plays.
0: And then we get one of those plays. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody goes, Nagy
1: moment. <laughs> Fire <laughs> Nagy. Like, I, and I'll just... This is this is bear with us like after dark. This is just like the most conspiracy theory
0: football but, stuff. But couldn't ever. you see it, man? We're in like a, a twenty four.
1: Yeah, because tw- <laughs> Andy Reid runs that stuff anyway. You're like oh, right. he has so many shovel screens. Just oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm with you.
0: To me, Nick, you actually said something that I I think. Look, we're gonna save the Justin Fields conversation for a podcast that isn't over two hours long, right? Yes. Well, uh, but. I do think this playoffs is a great. We have now seen that if you build a really strong team, you can have regular season success, period, bar none. Browns, Steelers, uh, San, Frans- or San Francisco. Who'd you say? Lions. Like, Lions, absolutely. The playoffs will answer the question of how much does the quarterback still matter, right? <laughs> and, and I think outside of the Niners, but even the Niners, I mean, if, if you told me, I'm just saying, You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. If the Rams get past the Lions and the Niners, I am going to make the same argument and say Caleb may not literally be Matt Stafford, but if Matt Stafford and a couple great defenders are willing their way past these teams that are so well-constructed, you gotta beg the question. Especially if, I mean, here's another example. If Stroud beats the Browns, there's gonna be a major shoulder shrug as far as like, the Texans are not that good; they just yeah. have the quarterback advantage there. But that's what's going to make wildcard
1: week get so magical, isn't it? So, so, so if if you're making the case for Stafford going that far to that, you have to go Caleb, right? Right. Are you making the case then that McVeigh, right, is helping that out, and that if they make that run, that polls should just reverse and get rid of fluce and then try and go <laughs> get Ben Johnson? Are, are we going? total tinfoil hat man i
0: wish I, I would just settle for i guess shane coming from that tenure and guys i'm not trying to defy shane Waldron. i am operating under the belief that if the offensive coordinator was truly that legendary they'd be getting head coaching interviews or they'd already be a head coach so like there is a like a barometer here we have to work with right nick where it's like if they mm. were if they were I that know. good that good like they'd be in a different category but that all this to say like I would change the head coach if I could. We said this at the top of the show. We don't get that decision. But that doesn't mean that this Eberflus thing can't work. And we right. can at least say we're Bears fans. They are they between poles and Eberflus because where Eberflus has excelled has been the development. You can't say the roster is on fire and trending up and not give the head coach some credit for the yep. fact that that's happening. So we're going to hope that they do the McDermott thing where they become a roster that's so consistently good. I mean, look at this. We just pilfered uh, Tremaine Edmonds. They've been playing Baylor's linebacker Terrell Bernard all season. He's been awesome, right? Is well,
1: that? I mean, Baltimore, John Harbaugh is a special teams coach, y'all.
0: Right. But I mean, I like the McDermott answer just because I think McDermott is a similar spot to Iberflus where they run a scheme really similar to Iberflus. And their whole goal is, what if we made the players so badass this scheme works? Like, that's the aim right oh. they're just a player development org and guess what they develop pretty good players yep. and and it sounds like nick hasn't picked to go to the ship so he hasn't picked to win it Winning <laughs> and, it and so Winning. if they did i would even argue that that lays out a rubric for Matt refluce to follow and you heard it here first uh any listener that gets to this point in the podcast frankly dm me if you did like <laughs> you're, you heard it here first. You're going to get the ringer. You're going to – or no, you're not going to get the ringer. The ringer will do this, but every article is going to say Sean McDermott has laid the Bears' uh, path to the Super Bowl. Like you're going to get what? Marquee Sports, 670, like Adam mm-hmm. Johns. You're going to get CH Go. They're all, they're all going to say it. If the Bills win the Super Bowl, they're all going to say Maddie Berflus equals Sean McDermott equals Super, Bear Super Bowl, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the, other, the other cool storyline with that man would be um, McDermott finally beating uh, Andy Reid. Yes. Because from what I remember, didn't they let him go? Wasn't he on staff there? Was he? Wasn't oh, that man. the thing? Man, now you're going to make me look this up because I'm pretty sure because he got let go. And then, man, where was he let go from? Oh, this, now this is going to be good stuff. Uh Nick, this is nope, this is the longest nope. pod. Nope, I was wrong. I'm wrong, y'all. My bad. it's okay. We love you for it. Oh no, hold on. It was he was with Andy Reed with Philly. That oh, that's man. there we go. That's what it was. So they go back. Yep.
0: Awesome. I can't wait. Should be grad. Or it should be rad. Bears fans, keep your ear to the ground. We'll figure out what happens with this offensive coordinator position, but it sure seems as if the Bears are wanting to move quickly. And I frankly appreciate that, got to tell you, Nick. But yes. until next time, leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. Let us know what you're thinking as far as playoff predictions go. Give us a like if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at underscore Nick Whalen. That's underscore N-I-C-K-W-H-A-L-N. E N, that I did spell that right.
1: W H A L E N. Yep. Thank God.
0: Uh, I I suddenly spelled it so fast that I was like, oh no, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no. And then underscore R O B E R T K S C H M I T Z. You're gonna see me post a lot of draft quarterback footage and a lot of draft footage in general. Um, but that's a conversation for another time. And then with Nick, you get a lot of really well reasoned analysis. Nick's gonna probably dive into draft tape here pretty pretty soon. Oh, I'm um, pumped. Pops Which is going to be do that. great, and so you'll get all kinds of Bears info as you listen to the show. We don't really know what we're doing as far as podcast schedule. We'll kind of go somewhere between um once or twice a week to sort of Bears spur of the moment. But right now, Bears news and playoffs still keep us give us something to talk about. I think, Nick, it's really going to come more like we may slow down to the dead of the season where we're both working on other stuff. But we'll see. We'll see. The plan, or bear with us, is go nowhere. We're enjoying the show. So tell your friends. Enjoy. Uh, like, give us a like. Help us boost this thing. And until next time, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us.